from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, September 1st, 2017, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that created an outrageously comfortable mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating those greedy, commission-driven, inflated mattress store prices. And you know what? That's your own words. Yeah, you I ad-libbed ad- that. You don't speak that passionately I, usually about anything, but <laughs> you Nothing are. gets my goat like greedy mattress stores. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's something we've always known about you. Yeah. I don't. I've never trusted anyone who's worked in a mattress or like. I feel like they're up to something. And the other thing is, mattress shopping is very uncomfortable because you have to go and lay down and pretend you're sleeping while other people are staring at you. Like, the, you, there's no way I'm going to get a good gauge of comfort when it's that awkward. Casper solves that problem. That's right. Hey, buying a Casper mattress is completely risk free. Uh, they offer free delivery and free returns with a hundred night home trial. If you don't love your Casper mattress, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. With over twenty thousand reviews. And an average of 4.8 stars is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. I, I have a mattress by Casper, and, I, and and their pillow and their sheets. And I'll tell you, it is it is heaven. Okay, I want to buy one. I'm mm. gonna, I need to get one. Lucy needs a new mattress. Yeah. There you go, a new twin mattress. Well, right now Casper is offering <laughs> Roland Podcast listeners a special deal. You can get fifty dollars toward any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com/relevant and using promo code relevant. Uh, please note the offer is only applicable to the purchase of a mattress. Terms and conditions yeah. apply. Treat to, I'm telling you, you're, you won't regret it. No, I've heard like legitimately they're actually really, really comfortable. No, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Cohen, my son, has, uh, you know he's my son, but I'm telling the listeners. Uh, he I, I, has, I think of him as our he, son. He has the, he has the Casper in, <laughs> yes. the, in the house. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, uh, story time where you snuggle up in the Casper with his little Casper sheets and yeah. pillow. It's way better than my bed. I'm not jealous of Cohen, but I will <laughs> say that he has had more sponsor stuff than I've ever. He's wearing a Maker Watch. He's yeah. eating Blue Box, whatever. He's, it's he, true. he's eating. He's like got a cat for mattress. every night. Yeah, it's really quite a life for Cohen. Yeah, I love it. Take, take it from someone like me who spends more than half of their life on a mattress, on their mattress, you know, either sleeping or, or eating. I do all my meals in bed or under just the covers. deeply, um, deeply depressed. It's the height. It's the height of relaxation. Like, it's so much better to eat in your sheet than at the kitchen table. I mean, you're just... I mean, you're feeding yourself a slice of pizza like those old paintings of like Caesar getting feeding, being fed grapes. It is delightful. So you want to invest in a good one because like I said, most of my time on this earth is going to be spent yeah. lying on it. So. And this is why we can't have nice sponsors. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is what happens. We were doing just fine. You were about to move on with the show. I was. Like, you know what? Let's just wreck it. Uh, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. Here with me in our Orlando, our makeshift Orlando studio, Eddie Big Hat Coffle. Yes, I can see the script for the first time ever in three and a half years yeah. of the show and i'm ready to participate over there on the uh, ones and twos our illustrious producer my brother chandler strang hello on the skype line from loverland virginia jesse carey hello hello <laughs> and all the way from los angeles california propaganda 
Wes, Wes. Yes. Hey, um, okay, so I got to tell y'all, you guys who aren't in the building with us, this is the strangest podcast recording we've done. Uh, um, second. Yeah, okay. Y'all look mad intimate right so, now. It is so, very, we're all on one twin Casper mattress. <laughs> so, and we are, and we pizza. To, yeah. What's Perfect happening, I mentioned on last week's show that it was our last show in the studios that we've been using for several years yes. because we're moving downtown, we're building out new studios, hey. and uh, t- tomorrow is move day so all week they've been packing everything up and uh this week disassembled that studio so we have no studio so we're in what until tomorrow is my office yeah uh sitting around you and me uh, me and eddie are at my desk chandler has set up the entire mix console and multiple computers on my coffee table mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, nathan's off in the corner our new producer nathan uh it is uh, jesse's on my tv it is bizarre it is uh, very off kilter for well, me right now and i want to say this Congratulations on the new studio, but I do not yeah. like change and I'm, I'm not pushing back on the new space, but right. it is a little nostalgic because I didn't realize that my last time recording was the last time in that studio, which right, in my mind ha- was still the new studio. Right. So like my little, I, I, my little spot's gone because you know, when I started, we were just in the like junky round room in the front. Yeah. It was basically a closet. Yeah. And now we got like a whole today show set. It's, it's crazy. You know, what's funny is like, honestly with the new studio, uh, it's going to be so cool companies are asking us if they can like sponsor the parts of the studio, like certain, uh, uh, you know, attire or cups or things like around, you know how like on, uh, uh, certain, uh, what American idol, they have like Coca-Cola cups in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. The conversations like that are happening. I'd like to bring some to the table myself. Yeah. Um, Well, you put in your request now. Yeah. I think I would, I would like, uh, who makes avocados? Just God? I think so. Yeah. I love guacamole. So well, God, God, yeah. as we know, already does sponsor the podcast. Praise yes. him. You know, I, 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 I got contacted by Mellow Yellow. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. Uh, making a comeback, guys. Uh, they, they used to do a sweet NASCAR. Yeah. And they figured our podcast was the next logical step. So I've been drinking nothing but Mellow Yellow for the last two weeks. Yeah. Not feeling too good. Not sleeping very well. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a lucrative, lucrative deal. It's great. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a a mid four figures deal that they're throwing our way. So you're going to want to get on can, this train. See it next week, like in the new studio, the Eddie Koffeltz podcast spot brought to you today by Sensible Dockers. Sensible Dockers. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing he wears every single week. The new studio, we're going to have four studios. We're going to have a sound stage. I mean, and, and the crazy thing is we're going to have, we're do, building all this out in the middle of downtown. They are located a block from the Magic's Arena. Yeah. The Orlando Magic no, Arena. I can walk down mm. to the games. It's, at this point, though, you're kind of not going to ever leave. You're know, just going to kind of bounce between yeah. the two, two for your whole life. And <laughs> sweet going, where's daddy? The, the only bittersweet thing is like, I feel like this has come up a, 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 a couple times, but you're getting ready for your Will Smith season finale of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air moment yeah. where you walk through the empty <laughs> office the one time after, oh. after you've comically thrown Chandler out via <laughs> Uncle Phil DJ Jazzy Jeff. Right. And you walk around one last time with your hands in your pockets and you're like, all right, next chapter is here. Are you, are you, are you and emotionally then, prepared for and that then moment? Comedically, Eddie was in the restroom and we right. forgot about him and we turned the lights off on him. And, <laughs> guys! And he runs out. You know, as I'm running out, like freeze frame, no, music, credit roll. I'll tell you this, to a fault, I don't look back. Like very often, I'm always like, what if, where are we going, what's next? And, but then when like nostalgia or sentimentality hits me, 
It hits yeah. me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I walked in this morning and we were boxing stuff up yesterday and I, it kind of caught me off guard, like how fast things were getting dismantled here. Yeah. I mean, we've been here six years and there's a lot. I mean, Jesse, I was trying to do the math of how many magazines were created in this building, how many yeah. podcasts were created in this building, like trapped in the cage happened in this building. I mean, just so many memories yeah. here. Uh, and, and like, and I walked in and I'm like, I didn't realize like it was going to be gone like that fast. And then I walked, so today yeah. I walked in, it's our last regular day. The movers show up tomorrow. Yeah. And I said to, I, I just said, I was getting coffee and I said to JD, I'm like, you know, it's like her last day dressed normally in this office. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking yeah. about? You know what? Well, tomorrow we're going to, it's moving day. You'd wear shorts. But and, I mean, like I'm just well, saying, and just as a FYI for the staff that's listening to the show, yeah. Cameron, uh, has a pretty unique moving My outfit. My move attire is highly inappropriate. <laughs> it is pantsless, first of all. It's a lot like uh, Snoopy. Leggings with a big t-shirt. He's That's like, all I do. He basically is Donald Duckin. I mean, but here's the thing. You're bending at such awkward angles. You're going to be restricted by pants. That's what right. I'm saying. Even, you know? even a nice yoga pant yeah. isn't going to no. give you the flexibility no. that you need. <laughs> Yeah, well, when you need to move that that awkwardly shaped sectional, you need to get real low, real, real low, low. just a just yeah, man. very sweeping dip. Stop bending at the back; you had to bend at the knees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can't. Here, here's a big. You know, I've done a lot of moving, and yeah. the whole bend at the knees thing it's uncomfortable. Here's what you do: you grab the heaviest corner, oh. and you just hunch back over, and then just let out a shout and jerk up as violently as you can. <laughs> as we're I'm look- telling you, I'm telling you in our nostalgia you, you know the, the whole lift at the the i'm not going to a crossfit workout here i don't need someone critiquing my heel placement okay i'm moving a couch people have been moving for millions of years before they knew about lower back injuries so just let me do this thing as we are somewhat nostalgic i would like to say that one of the many truths on this show is that if i can just say something like donald ducking it yeah. and lean back jesse will fully yeah. finish the, it's like he had been waiting his whole life to yeah. talk about how to move half naked we hadn't discussed it. It's not on the show rundown, but it's like just a truth of the show. Yeah. This guy's ready to chat about that. That's right. Hey, Eddie, when, when you spend this much of your life lying on a mattress eating pizza, pondering say, things, you got a lot of hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I, I, like, and the other weird thing, uh, just me personally, is like on this. We're moving on Thursday. Yeah. On Friday, I'm closing on a new house. So, like, all of a sudden. Wow. Like Dang. my entire life is getting uprooted. Like nothing change, that I've known change. for the last decade will be the same. Wild soon. I mean, it's, that's that's weird for me. I think that's why it's like hitting me so hard. Yeah. It's all positive yeah. though. You know what I mean? Is, it is. It's like I have to remember. Like we're moving because we want to move. Right. We're moving to a bigger space where we can do more awesome things. Yes. Uh, the home that we're moving to has some things about it that are awesome, and I'm just like. It's exciting, but it's like, whoa, end of a chapter. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, of all the things, like I feel like I, the podcast table, it's coming with, right? No. <gasps> Gone. It will literally be yeah. chopped up and put in the dumpster. That breaks you, my heart. I know. That's like where we're my gonna, hand we're gonna goes. Burn, we're going to burn it. It's like uh, where I used to preach at Summit. There is a there is like a piece of wood on the floor that was always like my push off point. Like I could just tell like, all right, I'm center stage in the right spot. I'm yeah. way too nostalgic about all this. But I still like every time I walk on that stage, I'm like, okay, I'm home. I know what I'm doing here. Like this is yeah. comfortable. What, what am I? What am I? You don't feel that? No, I don't have a push-off moment on the stage. But you have things that are like you use a certain kind of microphone, don't you? Isn't there something that like draws you into like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be? Yeah, 
I guess it's more like smell and location rather than object. All right, yeah. so you're yeah. just weird then. See, I, I, felt ha- like I had a little harmless. square of a basketball court at, from from ORU because I used to go to all the games with a student there, and and they were really good at the time, made the tournament, and everything. And so I have a square. When they redid the floor, they like chopped up. They chopped up the old wooden basketball floor and sold off like little squares of it. And I have a square of it. And I'm like, okay, that's you know, it, it, like I get it, I get it. Like you want to hold on to like a piece of the object even right. if because of what it represents even if the object itself is long gone i i yeah, uh, propaganda the the table that we if you've seen if you Soulless. guys have seen any of the videos or photos <laughs> of our studio we have this large custom console that we made yes for the podcast and and the set and everything and well, we built it in this building, so it's too big to get out the door. Oh, I know. So that's the issue. I know. I, and the way we're going to use the next space, it's too big for that space too. And so, you know, you we were sell it. Well, well, that was the thing is like the company that's moving in here is a creative agency and stuff, yeah. and they actually are buying a ton of what we have because yeah. I don't want to move it. Yeah. So it's like great, I'll sell it to you guys. They wanted the console, right? They wanted. Yeah. They're like, well, we have a client that wants to start a podcast, blah blah blah, and I thought. And I talked to Jesse about this and he and I both felt wrong about it. Like, I'm not, it's weird. No, it? I, no actually this is part of us. Like, I, I don't know. want somebody else to use it. I, I would rather see it die. than live oh, on. You're tripping. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, that's the part that I'm like, nah, fam. all the memories are sealed into my brain. No, the, the podcasts no, are recorded. We have photos. Like I'm the dude that like, you have to look over my shoulder when we're cleaning at home. Because I'm going to throw it all away. Like I'm gonna throw it all away. Yeah, no, I, I, no, no, no. You know, you know what it's like, Cameron. It's like when you go to Arby's and you order a sandwich and you open the wrapper and you yeah. realize they gave me the wrong sandwich right, here. Right. And you go to return it and they're like, "Okay, we'll get you the right one." And you're like, "Wait, are you just gonna throw that in the garbage?" Of course they are. Because if it is, I'll eat the wrong one and the right one. But no, there's a right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. <laughs> and the right thing there to do is to throw it in the garbage so no one can have it. And that's what we're doing with the podcast, basically. <laughs> Here's the thing. The wrong thing to do is to go to Arby's. That's number one. No, no. <laughs> the, the thing that, like, literally, I started thinking about the fact That's that weird. some random person trying to start a podcast would be at that desk. It took us 10 years to get to that desk. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, they got it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, don't, you didn't earn this desk. Right. You know oh what I mean? Oh, my gosh. So, so we're, <laughs> Listen, we're trashing it. propaganda. You're just the new guy, and everything's just shiny and perfect for you because you're like a rap superstar. Just settle down. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I don't even have a copy of my first album. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. Oh, man. Why? Don't you like just hop on Amazon and get it's, yourself. It's on Spotify. Isn't because it? it costs too much. Yeah. It's I, on Amazon. I'm like, if it's on Amazon, like I found it. I found it on eBay. It's yeah. like 40 bucks. I'm like, I'm cool. I was there. <laughs> here prop, prop here's how sentimental i am about objects i've never sold any of my cars like even if it's, i need the money to buy a new house. one it's, just it's like no cars. no one else i put a lot of miles on this thing and i'm i'm gonna it's either gonna go down a couple days a couple ways one i go and i and i drive off the end of a long pier and dive off at the last second right. which was awesome or i went to a field of someone who i don't know uh doused it in gasoline and i don't even smoke but i lit a cigarette and flicked it onto the car and just watched her burn because no one else can have it even if I needed the money. That's how I, that's we, how strong I feel. We literally us. just donated my wife's car yesterday. There you go. And got a new one. And I'm like, tax break. 
No, I, it's great. The thing for me yesterday, I was packing up my office, which I have this like a lot of cabinets in here and stuff. And I like a clean office. I like mm-hmm. I don't want clutter, but but don't open my cabinets because they're crammed full of right. all the things that would have been piled on my. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm opening the cabinets and I'm like unearthing six years of things I'd accumulated. I found bills. My, Tons uh, of bills. somebody had sent me a coach's clipboard for basketball. Great one. And like a dry erase board. Perfect. <laughs> just in time for magic season. Right. I'm ready to go. Awesome. I didn't know where it was. Have it back now. I'm finding so many things. I found a letter from George Bush. Uh, to, yeah, I found I've, I'm just finding it was actually to Jesse. I found a large magic eye poster. <laughs> yes. um, I found, you know, all the uh, table topics. I found all those. I'm telling you, it's like uh, it's it's fun. But now I don't have anywhere to put all this stuff. No, I understand. So very nostalgic. Fun. Yeah. Rest right. in peace. The old office. Rest in peace. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, coming up later, Derek Miner joins us. He has a new album out called uh, yes. Your Soul Must Fly. It drops today. Also coming up later. This is crazy. I don't know if y'all saw the VMAs on on last Sunday, but there was a moment. There yeah. was actually several really sincere moments that happened during it. One of them was they had was Reverend when Katy Perry came in as the, I thought I cried. They had one of the real ones was they had uh, <laughs> Reverend uh, Robert Wright Lee the fourth Robert Wright Lee the fourth he's a pastor and he's oh, a I'm direct sorry, descendant that, that, yeah. of Robert E Lee I'm like, hold on they I had, know that name yeah they had him out there he's joining us on the show today yeah because uh, wow. the gesture that he. Uh, oh, it just the segment was amazing and moving, and it was racial reconciliation, and it was you know yeah, him apologizing and saying like we need to change how we view history in my own family. I mean, it was it was really powerful. We also have a a, a look at our brand new issue of Relevant. The new issue, uh, uh, September issue, is coming out this week. It features yeah. Father mm. John Misty on the cover, and we have some crazy behind the scenes stories about that. And then uh, joining us here now, I mean, obviously the big news of the week was the devastation that's happening in Texas and and specifically Houston is underwater. Um, We've been covering it at the website all week and, you know, all the, you know, especially talking about the church's response and ways that our listeners can get involved and help. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to, we wanted to bring on uh, a pastor who's on the front lines there, uh, a friend of ours, Chris Joel, C. Uh, I thought it was yeah. <laughs> Pastor Chris C from yeah. Ecclesia Houston. He's, he's joining us here. Um, uh, to talk about what's going on on the front lines and, and, um, how we can help. So Great. joining us now on the show, it's Chris C. Hey, buddy. Well, Chris, uh, obviously, you know, y- you guys have been on our <laughs> on our minds and our prayers this week. Tell, yeah. tell us what's going on in uh, in Houston. You know, I mean, in some ways, the world's seen it from a different perspective than we have, as you guys watch it on uh, CNN and all these other outlets. But, you know, the, what I can tell you is the stories. Uh, the stories are real. A lot of us have been looking from small vantage points, from our homes and we hadn't been able to get out until the day. So today is my first day to get out and assess what's going on uh, at our church. Literally, as I'm talking to you, I'm walking around the building. We're, we're really blessed and that uh, two buildings that our church primarily possesses are, uh, are both dry, which is miraculous. Uh, we're in wow. the middle of downtown. A lot of you've seen the Buffalo Bayou. It runs right by our church. We're right downtown. There's a beautiful piece of artwork in one of the freeways. It's a high up bridge. It says be someone. It's kind of an iconic piece of, uh, street art here in, in Houston. And it's, uh, you know, it's 150, 250 feet from, uh, from our church building and the water's all the way up to the, to the bridge. And somehow miraculously we're on high enough ground that the church is 
is uh, is doing well. But the, but the reality is we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of church members uh, that are that are in real trouble. And I got, I got off the phone last night with the, a brother, David Sestiba. He's uh, uh, a young brother who's who's in the church. Got a two year old and a four day old, and they ended up with about eight feet of water in their home. Had to carry their oh four day old out into the street and uh, try to flag down a Coast Guard boat. Uh, gratefully they were rescued and they're safe, but, uh, for most of us that, you know, know what it's like, remember what it's like to bring home a newborn. I mean, we're trying to keep them away from any kind of germs, right? We, we don't even, yeah. we don't let people hold them unless we know who they are. And, uh, and they're having their four year old, four day old out in, uh, in just filthy floodwaters. And the stories are just thousands and thousands. And thousands. So we, we just need a lot of prayer. Uh, we, we need a lot of help right now as well. I, I, uh, I'm having a hard time sometimes. This is Eddie. Um, when we have like uh, hurricanes in central Florida, you know, the news freaks out, but, and we are really looking around and we're like, okay, there's like four blocks that are flooded and you just keep seeing the same pictures over and over again. I'm having a hard time understanding the scope of the devastation. And I realized to ask you to paint a picture of that scope is probably an unfair question, but for as much as you can, can you like, try to help us wrap our heads a bit around what is actually going on. Clearly there's flooding in Houston, but how bad is it? The reality is it's, it's everywhere. So, and, and the, and the thing about floodwaters is they don't discriminate. They don't just uh, go to poor neighborhoods. Uh, There are, you know, we're, we're seeing $6 million homes and brothers and sisters are having to step off of their, their second floor balcony into a boat um, what, what people don't understand and maybe sometimes uh, forget about Houston is Houston is the, it's the fourth largest city in the United States. Yeah. Uh, it's about to pass Chicago to be the third largest city in the United States. We think there are a lot of reasons. We've seen some of them that it's such a great city. Uh, I think it's different than other cities that are considered to be in Texas. There's a unique kind of uh, a sense of hospitality. Nobody cares here if you're old money or new money. There's just this beautiful culture. If you don't know Houston, you ought to get to know it. it's this beautiful place, and it's grown like crazy because of that. And uh, and the reality is, we're we're talking about six million people just in Houston, and this thing's impacted the whole Gulf Coast. And uh, the reality is, none of us can get through many neighborhoods. Some homes escaped and were dry, uh, but all of us have family members. Uh, all of us have neighbor and friend, neighbors and friends that were hit really, really hard. And so, you know. Uh, again, Houston's the, the most ethnically diverse city in the United States. So more huh. ethnically diverse than New York City, more ethnically diverse uh, than Los Angeles. It's just that kind of a place the whole world has come to Houston. And uh, so mm. when we think about what the only thing I can do as a pastor now is try to think about the opportunity uh, to show love to people in the midst of this. And the reality is we impact all nations when we love people in Houston. It's one of the reasons I love being a pastor uh, in this city. And right now there's a lot of opportunity for people, uh, to feel the love of the church. And, uh, and we're a unique city in that nobody's sitting around here waiting for FEMA to fix it. I mean, people just, you've seen it on TV. They just get out in their own boats. They start sharing what they have. I mean, we've got, you know, already like 600 people in our church that have homes that are dry that are saying people can come stay with me. So whether they're displaced, yeah, whether they're folks like listen to the podcast and they want to come in, and help, and we can talk more about how you do that. Yeah. Uh, they're ready to take people in, and uh, and we're going to ex- experience a great deal of community. We're praying against, uh, and and we I, I believe we'll see it. Uh, we're praying against anything that would divide the city and divide people. Um, you know, we're our church 
are really, really um, close partners and friends with St. John's United Methodist downtown. Uh, my brother, Rudy Rasmus, a largely African-American church. And, you know, Rudy and I just got off the phone just before I'm talking to you. We're, we're in concert in all of our relief efforts so that, you know, we're taking care of, we're focused a little more on the cleanup end. We want people's homes to get cleaned out before mold and mildew gets nasty. And so, you know, we're taking the list of folks at Rudy's church and putting them right alongside the list of folks at our church and starting to go out and try to clean up. And, uh, and we're going to need to work together. And, uh, yeah. and, we're, and I'm excited that we're going to have the opportunity to do that. That's the only good thing that's coming out of this right now. You know, when this, when this podcast comes out on Friday, it'll, you know, we'll be yeah. more, we'll be past the worst of it and we'll be getting into the recovery phase. And I know in a lot of natural disasters, you know, uh, good hearted people who want to help send things or just show up. And it's actually sometimes causes more harm than good. Can you tell us from your perspective what we could do or what? we should be advocating our audience to do to actually help Houston recover? Yeah, there are three things that, that we're telling people you can do. And, um, and one is we need supplies. The reality is uh, right now on the ground, um, you know, just to get groceries is difficult. That's going to be, that's going to be solved soon. But the reality is none of us can go into Home Depot and buy the tools mm. that we need to clean up everybody's houses. The volume's just yeah. far beyond that. So there are things we cannot buy that you can bring to us. And when I'm telling them, there are a lot of people that want to come and they just want to come. And I tell them, unless you're bringing a truckload of supplies, you know, don't come to our city. And primarily what we need uh, are dehumidifiers and fans. Um, we need a lot of those because okay. uh, when you're talking about 6 million people, and I don't know what the numbers yet are going to be, but we're talking about millions of people that have flooded uh, millions. Um, the, the only way to, to uh, start to salvage somebody's home and make it livable and safe and healthy is uh is to start to dry it out and these dehumidifiers pull the moisture out of out of the wall i just can't even tell you how important they are in the process so there are things we mm. cannot buy that you all can buy and get to us but don't don't just come in your car with one of them i mean we need truckloads yeah. we need churches and communities to come together and gather those things the second mm. are the things we can buy so grocery stores are starting to be restocked huh. and um you know we we got a lot of people here like every other city in the country who live paycheck to paycheck and a lot of them aren't working and they've been wiped out and we just need to be able to give them, you know, the basic necessities. So uh, our brother, Rudy Rasmus is doing a great job. If you want to send in food or supplies, they're doing a great job sharing those. We're more focused on the relief end. And then what we've done today, I've, I've gone to HEB, a local grocery store, and we, we bought $50,000 worth of gift cards so we can at least give hundred dollar gift cards. And it's, you know, for me, I don't want to carry around all the water and canned goods and what I've learned is, is people like to shop for themselves anyway. So if I give green beans to a family that really wants tortillas and black beans, I'm not really doing them a favor. They shop for themselves better than mm -hmm. I shop for them. And so there are certain things that we don't need you necessarily to bring down. Um, but you can just send money so that we can do just that. You know, my goal would be based on the need is probably our church should be given about a quarter of a million dollars to just the food needs that are going on. If people want to help us do that, we think that's a great thing to contribute. And then thirdly, if you, if you chip in on those first two, uh, to come just love and encourage people. People feel alone. They've been isolated in their homes. A lot of people are still aren't going to be able to get out of their neighborhood. Some of them for days, some of them for months, because we have rivers that are cresting, that are cresting at, at heights that never, nobody's ever imagined before. Mm. So, and, and again, this is rich and wow. poor life. You know, we got one of the guys in our church who's an NFL player and uh, just recently retired and he, he can't get out of his neighborhood, you know, mm -hmm. and they're saying, 
he may not be able to get out of his neighborhood for three weeks. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be one of these situations that's unfolding over a long period of time. And, uh, people feel isolated. They feel hurt and alone. We, we, we're excited to have teams that just have them around and be in neighborhoods. Our general approach is we're going to send people to the neighborhoods. Uh, people in our church who are flooded because we're a regional church. We got people in almost every corner of the city. Uh, and the only good moment I have, I'm, I'm calling every person in our church who is flooded. There's a big fire truck passing me right now. So we're right by the fire department. If that gets a little loud, uh, the only good moment I have in these phone calls, one is people just feel loved when their pastor calls them and says, Hey, we're in it with you. And I can only do that because other pastors and people are calling me and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, we're in it with you. But I'm calling yeah. our church members saying, Hey, don't get into despair. Like we're, we're going to help you. We're going to walk with you. But when I tell them, Hey, we're not just coming to clean out your house. We're coming to clean out all your neighbor's house yes. houses. They, they get so giddy, you know what I mean? Uh, people actually just start to laugh, you know, cause they're just like, my neighbors are going to be so oh, thrilled, man. you know? And the fact that they get to have Jesus loving people come represent their church uh, to them is just a, it's an unbelievable, really unbelievable gift. So, so if people want to do that as well, they can do that and we'll receive and we'll house people. Uh, if they're really what, ready to serve and bring supplies along with them. So Chris, uh, you mentioned uh, donating and, and, and sending funds. Uh, is there a website, a GoFundMe? Where, where can people send these supplies and, and money? If you go to our Ecclesia Houston uh, website, um, just www.ecclesiahouston.org, um, it, it'll be the first thing that pops up okay. is information about Harvey. Now we're communicate with a lot of our church members. So the donate button, I've learned enough from Donald Miller to know that's the first thing you're supposed to put up there is this where to give. It's not the first thing you see. You're going to have to look for it uh, because we're primarily trying to communicate uh, with our members, make sure everybody's okay and take care of, of the people in the city. But, but it's, it's not yeah. hard to find under our Harvey information. Great. And, and you can give. And, and those are just primarily right now, they're going to help us clean people up. Great. Then we're going to enter into phase two. And the reality is most of these people don't have insurance. Um, a lot of folks are renters, right? And so a big part of what we're doing already is just rental assistance. People, people don't have money saved up, so they, they can't, they got to leave their apartment, but to get into a new apartment, they need a down payment. So, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, writing checks. I can't cash yet. And then when I talk to a church member that's flooded out like that, I just tell them, we're going to pay your down payment on your apartment. Like we're going to pay it. And again, I don't know where we're going to pay it. <laughs> but this is what we do when we're the church. So I'm like, I'll go on the relevant podcast and tell people, you know, this is part of the nature of our church. You know, it, it's a unique, um, the week before the storm hit, uh, we found out that in HISD, there were 7,000 homeless students in HISD. I, I just called and asked for, uh, like, what are the kids that need school supplies? And then they gave me the list and then the number and between homeless students and immigrant students that we said, we ought to take care of both of those it was about 8,600 kids and it was about $104 to get them uniforms and underwear and, you know, the basic school supplies. So it, it ended up being about uh, $880,000 to do that. Right. And I just called, like, I'm kind of like thinking I'm a bad a pastor. Like we're going to step in and fix it. And, um, and so, you know, we donated our whole offering the week before, um, to HISD and we're, we're somewhere over $200,000 that we raised for HISD. Now we didn't see a storm coming on the horizon. So we just said, Hey, we'll worry about Ecclesia's bills later. And then, you know, the next week we canceled services 
Um, so for a lot of churches, you're in this, in this place of like, how are we going to do this? But I have this confidence. We're a part of a broader church and like, people are going to step up and we're going to keep taking care of HISD. So if you can imagine now those kids didn't have school supplies, imagine what's going on for our homeless kids right now. Um, yeah. It's just, it's hard to fathom. And so we're, we're trying to lean in with all we can. And the only way we can do it is with the help of the, the whole church. Well, you're talking to a quarter million listeners right now. And, and now I'm going to talk to you people listening. We need to step up. And you heard, from Chris, what's going on and what the needs are. And I would challenge you to join us and, and donating and, and being part of the solution and let's step up and have the back of the church. Let's do this. And we'll put exact links, like the best links on our show notes and on our episode page and everything, just so people know exactly like where to go. Absolutely. And and what you'll see there is you'll see a, you'll see a pay link and you'll see a volunteer link. And if you want to come, our commitment to you is we'll make you breakfast We'll pray for you and we'll find a place to house you. Um, if you come with supplies and ready to serve and then we'll send you out to the areas that, that need to be served. hundred percent. Let's do it. Let's do it. Chris, thanks right. for joining us. Thank you, sir. We're, you're, we're praying for you, man. You bet. Thank Love you. you guys. Thanks for having me on. Wow. Okay. I wasn't kidding. Y'all get involved. Hey, uh, normally right now we do our, uh, in case you missed it segment, I feel like we need a little music break. Catch our breath. Here we go. Stay tuned up next in case you missed it. The song is Dear Life. Ooh, topical. Very topical. And and relevant. Beck. Beck, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> up, up next, Weezer. Oh, no. All right, well, <laughs> you know, shifting gears a little bit, it's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. Not the real news, the other stuff. Right. It's time for... In case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, this week, actor Ed Screen uh, stepped down from his role in Hellboy after learning his character had been whitewashed. The actor is known for roles in Deadpool and Game of Thrones. Well, he recently took to Twitter to explain why he was leaving the huge film, saying it was in response to Hollywood's tendency to cast white actors to play characters that are traditionally of different ethnic backgrounds. Uh, What he wrote, he said... I accepted the role unaware that the character in the original comics was a mixed Asian heritage. There's been intense conversation and understandable upset since that announcement, and I must do what I feel is right. It's our responsibility to make moral decisions in difficult times and to give voice in inclusivity. It's my hope that one day these discussions will become less necessary and that we can help make equal representation in the arts a reality. Good for him. And talk about yeah, putting your money you. where your mouth is, you know? For real. Yeah, it's turned down a pretty big kind of breakout role. So still a pretty scary yeah. movie. See, this is like, see, this is good. Uh, this was a good choice, a good heads up thing. And then I think about like, in contrast to like when you had the first female Doctor Who, where I'm like, 
okay. And then fools were like losing their pants over the fact that the <laughs> Doctor Who was a girl. And I'm like, oh my gosh, relax, because Doctor Who doesn't have a gender. Like it's a it's yeah. a continued story. You like it good that she didn't back down to be like no yeah. it's okay like the character can be another gender versus this dude that's like no that no we've seen the character the characters you're portraying an asian character. i'm still stuck yeah. on the fact that you, your analogy for people being so upset that they donald ducked it that they went pantsless they yeah, said they, they lost, lost their pants yeah, they lost their pants <laughs> Who like, has anyone ever been, been so mad? Has anyone? <laughs> to, here's my, here's my question, prop. <laughs> like, I have I, the, the reason I don't feel like this analogy holds up because I don't think anyone's so b- been enraged by something they read on the internet that they just rip their pants off. Like, <laughs> I could see like ripping the shirt, like Hulkamania style. Like, right. she's a doctor. Just, the new Doctor Who's a woman. No, and ripping right. their shirts. Right. If you do that with your pants, you're just kind of a creep ball, in my opinion. <laughs> that is true. You could I see mean, that. In my defense, I was self editing because that's not what I meant they lost. Right. I was just trying to like... Yeah, that's good. We appreciate yeah. it. Chandler appreciates it in the post-production. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been watching a basketball game and a guy gets ejected or a coach gets ejected and he doesn't take off his suit jacket and throw it on the court. He rips off his suit pants and just launches them at the ref and well, Jesse, walks away I totally Jesse, basketball season is starting up soon. I got to tell you, this year I've decided because I'll be enraged so much, I'm only going to wear breakaway pants to games. So. <laughs> just throw them under the court, man. Just anticipating the pantslessness. Yes. I'm going to Donald Duck it all season long. Can I just say, this episode has already had more pantsless talk than all the 565 <laughs> prior combined. Yeah, it's something nostalgic, like when we're thinking back to the old days of the podcast yeah. and we didn't wear pants. Yeah. Hey, uh, in case you missed it, a new pro-refugee Christian movie is getting shockingly good reviews. Uh, following a Case for Christ certified fresh reception, another overtly Christian movie is garnering some uh, critical cl- acclaim. The film is called All Saints, and it currently has a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a true story. The movie's about a pastor who decides to take a major financial risk after he believes God tells him to save a small town church and convert parts of the property into a farm to serve the local community of refugees. It's in theaters now. So go support good art, people. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. In case you missed it, Coldplay actually wrote a song for Houston and played it for one time only this week. Uh, They were scheduled to play a concert in Houston on Friday, but canceled the show, obviously, because of the hurricane. While performing in Miami this week, they announced that they had written a song dedicated to the city and would play it for this one time only. Uh, Chris Martin said, we'll sing it to you tonight and we'll send it over there and all the spirits of joy and friendship and hopefulness. We all grew up loving country music. And of course, that's kind of what we think of when we go to Texas. Here's a clip. I'm dreaming of when Houston has no problem In that city where they send you into space I'm dreaming of when I get back to Texas Corpus Christi, Harris County, Galveston There's a harmony that comes down there in Houston Oh Houston, you got to keep on keeping on so that's probably the one and only time you're going to hear country music on the relevant podcast. So there you go. Enjoy that. Soak it <laughs> in, folks. It End of an era. Hey, in case you missed it, yeah. uh, lastly, Reese Witherspoon. You know what? Is- you're going to... I'm sorry to interrupt. Of all the stuff we've said in the show, pantsless, 
etc. Whatever. <laughs> Refuge. Finally, a good Christian movie of all the stuff. Yeah, you're going to hear about the country music. <laughs> I don't care. I, there, I, whatever. <laughs> if you are so up in arms because you love country music so much, this is not the show for you. Have you heard the music break? Burn. I'm just saying. Here well, we go. Well, I love your rebelness. Little Cameron. Kenny Chesney wouldn't kill you every once in a while. Are you kidding me? Zach Brown Band. I can that, You that, know what? I have Andy, an issue. That sounds terrible. I have an issue watching. <laughs> what about Chris Stapleton. We count him. Chris right? Stapleton. That's Chris like Stapleton blues. is blue he's soul. Tra- he's he, transcendent. He transcends it. Yeah. Okay. Chris good. Stapleton's yeah. the best. Yeah, absolutely. So no, no, no. I have an issue. I mute the intro to the college football season because they have those ah, cheesy country yeah, singers yeah. doing the college football intros now. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> Eddie, I will say this. There's been numerous times where I've been at a restaurant or yeah. like in a grocery store or something and a country music song comes off and I rip my pants off and yell at the nearest person. <laughs> right. That's I'm right. enraged. I'm enraged by it. Yeah. yeah. I, if I have to go... That shows them too. It shows them too. If you have a pantless man come running at you screaming irrationally yeah. about a song you know faintly on in the background you're going to get the message if loud I, and clear if i ever have to go on a road trip and i know that we're gonna have to stop and kind of rural truck stop where they play that stuff overhead i only wear breakaway pants i just anticipate i know oh, yeah. yeah you've got to know what's happening <laughs> that's right you you gotta <laughs> blind them with the with the whiteness of the legs man yeah you call Let it not mad y'all. you call it magic miking <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I'm going on a road trip. I got a magic mic. This, yeah. I mean, we're gonna go. We're gonna pass through Bithlow, and I have to get gas at that truck stop. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, in case you missed it, to rip my pants off and harass some truckers. So, just I just want to keep everyone aware. I just want everyone to know that. Stay in the game. So, uh, in case you missed it, uh, lastly, Reese Witherspoon is making a movie about the Westboro Baptist Church. It's a comedy. I, I air quoted the word church. Um, yeah. Hey, yeah, it's exactly. called This Cult. Above All. It's about the life of Megan Phelps Roper, the young woman who was set to inherit the controversial group known for their hateful protests of funerals and and other things uh, from her mother, Shirley Phelps Roper, and her grandfather, Fred Phelps. Megan ran away from the Kansas-based quote-unquote church, which is essentially made up of just one family, a few years ago after conversations that started with counter-protesters over Twitter convinced her that the theology she'd been raised in was not an accurate picture of God's love. She and her sister have since been disowned by her family and uh, Witherspoon is co-producing the film. The movie is going to be directed by Mark Webb, who is most famous for helming 500 Days of Summer and is being written by Nick Hornby, the novelist behind books like High Fidelity and About a Boy, as well as screenplays for movies, including An Education and Wild, which starred Witherspoon. It's going to that's a legit yeah, there's roster. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be oh, a good man. film. So. Nick Horton. Nick Hornby is brilliant. Like his, his approach to storytelling and writing is, I feel like is, is hugely influential in the modern era of like dramedies. And to see him tackle this type of story, I think is really exciting. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Yeah. It's a little standalone segment. We just, yeah. It's a weird show. Why not? <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. Up next, slices. To Kalela, the song is LMK, otherwise known as Let Me Know. Great, great little, oh, great little it. track. It's like an emoji talk yep. thing. 
At the beginning of the podcast, you heard courtship with the song Sunroof, which clearly is very key to any sort of courtship. <laughs> of course. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? You heard Brad Paisley doing... <laughs> <laughs> the twang. Where'd the twang you hear come that? From? You hear that sound, Eddie? That's me ripping my pants off in yeah. jeans, and it was painful because I just fingernailed yeah. them right off. <laughs> you heard Searching for Ticks by whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> Relevant podcast. <laughs> Jesse, what you have? Searching for Ticks on my big old bloodhound dog. And people are like, oh, that's not all country music is. That's just like a stereotype. Turn on the radio. Because literally, that's know, all man. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I drove through the Ozarks once on a way to perform at a camp, which was strange, but Yikes. I made myself <laughs> listen to local radio yeah. and get my brain around country <laughs> music. And it's a lot of twang. Mm. All right. What do you have, Jesse? All right. So we've all heard about the dangers of AI taking over the world. We recently talked about Elon Musk and, and, mm-hmm. and Mark Zuckerberg debating the reality that this could lead to the end of humanity. Right. Well, there was a, a recently an interesting example of what happens when you have AI and algorithms uh, try to um, do something that really is a job more set out for humans. So Twitter has recently been responding in the last, like I'd say, year and a half, two years or so of criticism. They allow too much abuse on their platform and they, uh, you know, too much bullying, too many people making threats. And so they have implemented not just they haven't just staffed up on people to look at tweets that have been reported as abuse, um, but which they've got criticism in the past before that. That's kind of a slow process for, for a tweet to be taken down or an account to be suspended. So what they did is they created uh, artificial intelligence that can read tweets and determine if they are in violation of. Twitter's terms of use, which prohibit things like bullying and making threats against other users. Well, a, a user in Japan recently found out the hard way that there are limitations to this algorithm's intelligence when he was bitten by a mosquito and uh, it enraged him. I'm assuming he ripped off his pants, you know, prior to writing this tweet. But he said he used a word uh, that I'm not going to say, not a nice word, but he said, where did you get off biting me all over while I'm just trying to relax and, and watch TV. Die. Actually, you're already dead. I'm assuming he swatted it there with the pants that he ripped off in rage. <laughs> uh, moments later, he received a notice from Twitter that his account had been permanently frozen and could not be reactivated. Oh, they wow. said it was because they've detected tweets containing threats that are not allowed under their terms of service. But of course, the threat was to a mosquito, not <laughs> another user. Now the guy's out of luck. It's a permanent thing, and he can't reactivate his Twitter account. Well, I mean, can't he just like do another Twitter account? It's probably had like 17 followers. I mean, it's not that big of a loss. Just do Philip Ross 2. You know, I mean, who cares? Yeah, yeah, but... I, no, I get. I, I'm saying like it's not that inconvenient. But what if it was? What if? What, what if you lost your Twitter account? Like, I mean, you have a, obviously a lot more followers than this rando, uh, than this pantless rando. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not going to say that. And I've never seen you threaten. A, I've never mosquito. seen you threaten a living thing. I know on your Twitter account. I know the lines. I'm not going to. I was chased by a wasp. I'm not going to tweet at it. You know, like I'm. I'm you know, <laughs> I know how to handle Twitter. But, but what, is if, my point. what if? It, what? What if it was like a sports team? Like I hope we yes. I hope we go out there and 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 
you know, kill the Golden State Warriors tonight in this. I hope we slay Which them won't happen. or something. That will not happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. I would we never tweet yeah. that. Yeah. Lunacy. Well, that was, uh, right. I definitely picked the wrong right. example With there. Orlando, it's I just like, we, I hope yeah. none of our guys die. I literally the hope they don't <laughs> physically kill us. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah certainly. Yeah. I mean, like, that's about all you can say. <laughs> yeah, but right. I mean, if that year. were to happen... Three if that were to happen, yeah. there would be no recourse for you. Yeah. Like you would have just lost your Twitter account because of the the flaws of their algorithm. Like I think it's a good thing that they, that that they have measures to detect phrases to prevent people from being threatened or bullied. Yeah. But obviously, they got some kinks to work out. Where if yeah. it's if if they're going to kick you off for threatening a mosquito, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it feels like what will, and I want to be careful with this, but what will get you kicked off Twitter at this point is pretty subjective. I would say it depends on how powerful you are, yeah, I think. It feels like. Th- thank you. Okay, that's, that's the whole thing, too. <laughs> that's the whole thing, too. Like, because I could see, like, a powerful political figure. I won't or name just, names. Just powerful figure. Let's use Chandler as an example. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's say, let's say Chandler has elected the president of the United States and, <laughs> and t- frequently tweaks, w- tweets wildly inappropriate things right, that right. threaten the stability of the world. Yeah. I could see someone baiting him right. into threatening a mosquito just right. to see what happens. Right. Like, 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 like it's a Zika mosquito that North yeah. Korea planted right. in the U.S. Right. You're, Chan- yeah, president Chandler is going to, Tweet threats at that mosquito yeah. population. And if that mosquito yeah. keeps testing its wings right. somewhere close to uh, Cameron's house, That's right. Right. there's going to be a problem. <laughs> and in this scenario, well, just to even, make- even if I, let's say, let's say I'm an advisor to President Chandler, who right. is tweeting wildly inappropriate <laughs> right. things. Right. I would think, I would be, t- and I know that when he gets mad, President Chandler takes to Twitter, I would be attempted just to get a bunch of backyard mosqui- mosquitoes, right. let them loose in Chandler's office, have him bite them, <laughs> in the hopes that he takes to Twitter to f- express his frustration at the mosquitoes, Twitter shuts down his, his account, and, and a, a world crisis is now averted. <laughs> That's where my mind is going with this yeah. thing. To be super clear, this mosquito also has like the world's worst human rights record. Record and a horrific <laughs> leader. If we're talking about the same mosquito, I'm just okay. saying we got to watch Chandler. <laughs> yeah, because it's going to get dangerous. Just an, I'm just saying, keep an eye on this guy. Yeah. All right. What do you have, Eddie? Well, you know, in a week with not a lot of good news, I would like to just bring you some very. But that's like literally every week. Recently. I know. I really. That's my new. Preface. So that's what this show provides the world. It's like the real yes. news is is so difficult. Yeah. Can you? We will mine through the trenches to find the glimmers of levity. Right. Yes. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. We're not talking about any of that tomfoolery right now because I have something I need to bring up to you. Uh, when was the last time? Let's just go around the room, and I want a real honest answer. When was the last time you ate something from Burger King? Jesse, obviously it was yesterday. Prop, where are we, what are we thinking? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Anything, even just a little uh, French fries. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I did it. I did it uh, dropping off my daughter like last at the end of last school year because I really had to rush to the airport. Yeah, right. right. That burger. emergency like so you ate a chicken. Yeah. So I had like the, the chicken sandwich. Yeah. OK, uh, I'll say this. Me, I, I think. Oh, do you not want to hear my answer, Eddie? No, Just I thought it was, smart I, I'm comment. sorry, I thought it was yesterday. <laughs> I thought it was being accurate. I thought, I heard they brought back chicken fries. I went through the drive-thru uh, about two weeks ago. Sure enough, they're back and they are delicious. It's a chicken french fry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cameron. It's a true story. Just like yeah. a chicken strip. High school, <laughs> literally high school. I can't <laughs> think. I can't think of any time I've gone there. I mean, now oh, McDonald's is a different story, but Burger King, oh. which yeah. is across the street from McDonald's by yeah. my house, yeah, not it wouldn't even occur to me. Well, you know, in my brain, I used to picture Burger King and McDonald's like a like 
Michael Jackson, Prince, uh, Biggie, yes. Tupac, like yes. they peaked, You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. McDonald's won. Oh yeah, they definitely won. Yeah. Definitely won. Anyway, well, though I think Burger King is way better food, and they got chicken fries. I did a quick inventory <laughs> of my last four meals: two at Wawa, one Chinese, one Chick Fil A. <laughs> the fact that two you at a gas station—that's actually wow. true. Two that's at a gas station. True. Two at a gas station. One with five thousand grams of sodium, and like you're just not going to make it. How are you staying alive? <laughs> I'll say this, dude. Wawa, <laughs> it is a place where you can buy gas. Wawa is a regional, a gas, a regional gas station on the East Coast, the Northeast. Now they're down here in Florida. <laughs> I had never heard of them until they entered our market in the right. last couple of years. So most yeah. of these listeners don't know that Wawa is a gas station that, a, that Jesse eats at. It, now listen, it has no, a gas station. We're going to get off on the rails here and we just can't do okay. this because this okay. is a pretty okay. important continue, place continue. for Chandler. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is really, I brought this for Chandler. Is it about mosquito safety? It's about Burger King. Burger King <laughs> is launching probably the oddest strangest i mean i guess it's working because we're talking about it but promotion that i have heard in a long time now taco bell takes the cake and weird food i'm not talking gimmicks weird like oh my gosh can you believe it i'm talking even kfc where they had like the triple where they had the meat buns on their sandwiches and stuff yeah the fried chicken buns yeah they are starting the own your fire campaign. So all of their stuff is flame broiled. Again, this is for Chandler. I just want to make sure that we know that this is a yeah. slice for Chandler. It's called own the, your fire. It's called the own your fire campaign. So if you have been fired from your job recently, again, Chandler, you may want to pay attention. <laughs> if you get fired, let's say for gross incompetence, uh, tardiness, whatever would possibly get you fired. Right. Tweeting inappropriate things. Right. Chandler. Yeah. You got, okay. We're, you're focused. Um, the first 2,500 people that post on LinkedIn, because it's like supposed to be like you're hunting for a new job. The first 2,500 yeah. people that post on LinkedIn, uh, I got fired. I want a free Whopper. Hashtag Whopper severance. Yeah. We'll get a free Whopper. So you go to LinkedIn, set up a dummy account. Right. And tweet this or post this thing. Right. And then you get your free meal. Maybe. Do another dummy account. You get another free meal. Do another dummy account. You get another free meal. Right. And it there doesn't. I'm right. saying the cool. other way, if you want to cheat this system where you know you're not going to get fired, but you want the free sandwich, is to go do something awful at work and get fired, then update your LinkedIn and then get your free <laughs> yeah, sandwich. You, you can do that too. Well, I, I think that Ad, Ad, Adweek talked about it and they're like, this actually is a lot of mental gymnastics to understand why this promotion makes any sense. So it's like, own your fire you're getting fired flame broiled it's just ridiculous this whole thing um liar so, liar pants yeah, on. That's right. yeah. Uh, yeah so uh to which burger king replied it has been said that when one door closes another one opens in this case it's a door for a delicious frame flame grilled whopper sandwich i just thought of another one eddie Go. another promotion yeah i don't know if you guys have ever been to carl jr or hardy's again a place i frequent there it's a fast food <laughs> i chain. wondered that's, who eats there kinda, it's one yeah. man. Dude, their chicken tenders, their chicken tenders are legit. The other thing they're known for. The if you look at a heat map of their sales, right, there's just <laughs> this gigantic, huge red dot over Leverland, Virginia. <laughs> it's just one guy. It's, it, it, it's big in like, I'll say that the chain is big in like NASCAR country, you know? But anyway, the other, because they do a lot of like sweet tea and oh, man. Uh, like fried chicken. But the other thing is they have peach milkshakes. So why not we oh, get wow. an in peach, own your in peach, uh, and you get a free milkshake yeah. if you get in peach. <laughs> 
again, we're because talking about President Chandler. If you get we're in, talking yes. about, I'm talking about Chandler here, yeah. guys. Not I'm just yes. saying, I incentivize. Yeah. So, That's so what, you're saying if you get impeached, you go to Carl's Jr. and get a free peach milkshake. I love free stuff. Yeah. So, so, like in that case, President Chandler might not fight impeachment. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, at least I'm getting a peach shake out of this deal. Yep. And so. it's pretty good too. So, uh, just to close this slice, Cameron, make sure you get uh, Chandler his Whopper ASAP, <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying. I, I hear you. I would like you to fire Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have, Prop? Oh, man. Hey, so, um, remember... Uh, Maybe We're talking year, about President Chandler back. here, guys. I'm not saying anything political. President I Chandler. Knew, I knew he could. It's hypothetical. Stop. It was a pun. Impeach. Yes. Make the relevant podcast great again is what he ran yeah. on. Why does that hat not exist? Oh my gosh! Oh, Where's no. the hat? Make oh, the relevant no. podcast great again, but only you know what of, a lot you know what a lot of our listeners would say. Yeah. You know what a lot of our listeners would say what? that we need if when what? we finally. And we're working on it, but when we finally add our female cast member again, it'll be finally it'll be great. great again. It'll finally be great again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree. So, <laughs> like, we should do like, yeah, we really should make just, yeah, make relevant make podcasts relevant great, great again. again yeah. as like the run up till when you add the the permanent the female, female the permanent female cast member. We again. have Brilliant. read and heard the the criticism, and I just got to say, like, we talked about Donald Ducking for the first half of the show. We know the problem. <laughs> <laughs> we un- we understand that this is not the show you want, and I understand it. Yeah. And we hear you, yeah. and we are trying to make the podcast great again. We, we are actively yeah, trying say, to make it great. But our pets' yeah. heads are falling off. I'll we're doing say the best this, we can. Th- yeah, I, yeah I, we get it. Three of the five people that have microphones in, in their hands at some point during the show already ripped their pants off in a rage. I know the yes. problem we here. understand. Okay. <laughs> we understand why it's so hard to recruit a permanent female yeah. host. You're like, yeah. yeah, just listen to the last two weeks of shows and kind of see if you'd like to fit in with this. And then it's like really respectable people going like, you know what? I think I'm fine. I have a career. I'll go ahead and just destroy my own brand my own way. Instead of, yeah. <laughs> because because the majority of the, the show that I listened to the last time was making an actual case for staring directly into the sun with binoculars. <laughs> I don't know that my career has right. led me to a place where I'm willing to join this program. Just see myself right. fitting in. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. What do you have, so, Prop? So uh, you remember a few years ago, uh, they had a thing called the Selfie Olympics. Y'all remember that? Uh, no. Back back then, for a while, they were doing this whole thing where it was like it was all about trying to make the most creative selfies, where dudes were like uh, taking selfies, like holding their phone with their toes, and and then and then the guy that broke it was the dude that uh, was the astronaut that took the selfie in space. So it's like, all right, we're done. Yeah, uh, there's no way to yeah. top that, right? But there was one that did, and it was this Indonesian monkey. And I don't know if y'all remember this, this, there was like a camera set up out in like this jungle to try to like get these things in natural habitat. This monkey walks up, takes the picture of himself, right? And it's just like, this is phenomenal, yeah. right? So then there was this argument about who owns the photo because uh-huh. technically if it's a selfie, the person that took it owns it. So, but the dude, the photographer that set up the camera and all that stuff, he was like, well, well, it's kind of like, well, that's my photo. PETA got involved and was like, no, that's not your photo. What? The oh, monkey man. took it. The monkey's theirs, right? The dude lost. No so he lost the way. case. Um, he doesn't own the rights to the to the photo. The photo's worth 
so much money because it's the first animal selfie. So right? did the monkey press? I th- I assumed that it was like a jungle camera set up to a timer. Yeah, it was just taking occasional photos, and the monkey, and the monkey just, just happened, happened to be, to be like, there. Like but you're saying its hand around, I, I so it looked like it took a photo. The, yeah, but the monkey touched the shutter and took its own photo. That's crazy. Yeah, I think, or I think it was some kind of motion sensor, Wh- whatever yeah. it was. It, it like it was so like leap. Legally, right now, like I guess according to the law, like whoever takes the picture owns it, right? And yeah. so Peta's argument, Peta is trying to like make a point, but it's essentially destroyed this poor photographer's life because he tried to yeah. fight it in court and lost. But 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 Peta's trying to make the point that you know they want to assign like human rights to animals, wow. like that's yeah. their whole thing. They, that's their they, thing. So they, they think that the- if they can get if they can prove that an animal has the same rights as humans in like an absurd case like this, they can they can prevent like, like animal abuse but this wow. is just like a completely absurd example of it wow yeah so the guy so so yeah so the part of my slice is the guy is literally broke wow. he's like i i can't i can't provide for myself anymore and he lost everything off probably one of the coolest photos he could have ever have gotten but it's not his and now oh he's the guy trying to rob the monkey you know what i'm saying um and and it's just yeah the 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 idea to think that like dude this it destroyed him like he is he's broke but i'm just trying to think of the logic of assigning ownership and human rights uh, you know financial ownership of something to a non-human i mean another entity makes no sense right I mean, I understand like, you know, protecting, you know, they have rights to not be slaughtered and things like that, the animal, but like ownership is a uniquely human, um, you know, dynamic. And that's Peter's argument. Like why? You're just, humans are just another primate that's, according to them. That's I mean? unbelievable. What's he, what's it even going to do yeah. with a picture? Are you going to print it out? Yeah, I just want to say, what's he going to do? Well, hang no, it, well, hang well, it up no, in the no, tree? They're making, yeah, obviously, like, they're not saying that, they're not actually, their case doesn't really involve ownership of the, I mean, it does on the surface, but like I said, it's more about, like, picture, if they can yeah. establish a precedence here, then they could say, they well, you can't go in and, and tear like down their habitat because they have the same rights that humans do. But they can't own land because you have to pay for that. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, in that case, it would be like uh, squatters, I mean, right? In the land case, they yeah, yeah so, uh, something yeah. something along those lines. Right. Like it, it would be a dwelling that they've inhabited long enough. But there would be other cases too. It would be like. Um, not just with monkeys, but like other intelligent species, like you know whales or something. That if you can prove that they have the same ability as humans to like live in community and communicate with each other, then to like kidnap them and put them in an amusement park should be something that would be like illegal. But again, like the way that they're they're going about proving this is the most absurd way possible with this selfie thing, and it yeah. undermines their entire argument because it makes the whole thing a big joke. Wow. Parenthetically. You're still going to get more comments about the country music than <laughs> animals can't own land. It's like it's like a pretty great photo. It is a pretty yeah. Chandler pulled the, it up. Yeah. It is a pretty yeah. photo. Great. Yeah, yeah. There's like no reason why that thing can't smiling. Park. Yeah. There's and no. When re- I look at the monkey. I'm like, okay, he knew what he's doing. He owns that. He totally <laughs> that's 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 totally he is looking right. At- I'm not saying. I'm not saying we can't put you in a zoo, but I'm saying. That's a good photo. You totally owned it. So yeah, that's sorry. definitely. Sorry. It's like it's, yeah. Once you see the photo, it's like I kind of get Peter's argument where it's like 
Yeah, uh, I get he, it. He, he knew it. what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. definitely. Photographer, photographer, rip off your pants, give your frustration <laughs> out, and just move on with life. That, uh, because that's work a, a deal. That monkey knew a percentage. Exactly. Do a percentage because it's your camera. I get it. That's definitely that monkey's Twitter avatar. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? His, yeah. his feed, though, if you've ever read it, it's just he's really upset at a lot of the mosquito situations. <laughs> oh, and totally. Yeah. yeah it's, he's I don't know how Twitter allows it now. Double standard by Twitter. Yeah, some of the legalese is like, okay, so if corporations, so if you, you invoke the Citizens United law, right? So like corporations equal people, like a corporation is a person. So, which we know a corporation is not a person, it's made but up of we people, treat it like yeah. it in the eyes of the law. Right. So he's like, so then I can say animals equal people in the eyes of the law because a corporation is not a person, but we agree that it is. So why can't this law, you you know, apply for this monkey. Yeah. Crazy. 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 Yeah. We live in a crazy world. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Derek Miner joins us. to Sylvanesso. The song is Just Dancing, which is actually what Eddie's been Not doing. just dancing. Be proud of yourself. You're dancing. <laughs> Congratulations. This week's feature segment is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. I can tell you firsthand, building a site with Squarespace is super easy. Yes. There's a simple, intuitive process where you can add and arrange your content and features with just the click of a mouse, all with no plugins. Uh, if you sign up for a year of Squarespace, you get a free custom domain included. And they have seamless commerce tools if you want to launch an online store. Uh, beautiful templates, award-winning customer service. Um, go check it out. You won't regret it. We love Squarespace. Parenthetically, like, tell us what you've done with your website. Some people, like, if they just got let go, like, if they just got fired, it might be a nice place to put up, like, I was a podcast producer. Or, or just some clips I made. Here's your resume. <laughs> right, I can help yeah. with other podcasts. Yeah. Or- yeah. Hey, uh, right now, Squarespace is offering Realm Podcast <laughs> listeners a special deal. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, enter offer code RELEVANT to get yeah. 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart. There you go. Uh, this week, rapper Derek Minor releases his seventh studio album. It's called Your Soul Must Fly. The album's the first installment in the Up and Away series, a collection of music and films featuring diverse experimental styles that all help tell one story. We recently yeah. talked with Derek about the concept behind the project and had him walk us through some tracks on the new record. Prop, have you you've recorded with Derek? I know you're friends, but... Yeah, he, uh, he produced uh, one of the songs on my record. Actually, he produced one song on my last two records. There you go. Um, yeah. I lo- we had him on the podcast uh, a year or two ago. It was a hard-hitting conversation about race and yeah. the church. And oh, that's right. It was phenomenal. Yeah. He wasn't promoting an album. He no, just came in that. and had a really thoughtful yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. It was really awesome. Well, there yeah. you go. Here is Derek Minor. I keep blasting off like an astronaut. Yeah. 
let's talk about the the title track because it you know i feel like you know that sort of kicks off this even though it's uh you know later on the album like uh, kicks off sort of like the theme tell me a, a little bit did you start with the title track your soul must fly if not t- tell me a little bit about like how that song particularly came about and some of the themes that you wanted to execute with your soul must fly the song it's funny, that was the last song I recorded, but it's been in my head from the beginning. I just didn't find the right production. And then uh, I got a, a folder of beats from this cat named Street Runner. If you know who he is, he produces for Fat Joe, Rick Ross, and a ton of other um, a ton of other people. But he sent me this beat and I was like, that's the track. Like that's the track that I wanna, I wanna, you know, tell the story over. And it's really, it's the idea that I know for, Everyone that's born, even if someone is born into wealth, it's not their wealth. Like, we all are born into, we're all born from the dust. And for our lives to have purpose, we have to find a way to take these dusty bodies and turn them into something, you know what I mean? We have to find how to, how to, how to create impact in our life before we leave. And oftentimes people's idea of impact is just make a lot of money. But I, I don't know anyone that's like revered for just making a lot of money. Like usually those people are often despised. <laughs> so it's like only thing he did with his life was make a lot of money and keep it to himself. Like no one is like, we love this guy. You know, usually except for the people that benefit from making, you know, money off of him. But like for for us to really have I think whole fruitful lives, like our soul has to fly and that stuff has to be it has to be more than just material. I put it at the end of the album for a specific reason because I wanted it to wrap up all of the little miniature concepts and the other songs in a bow for people. One of the songs that uh, you know was the, one of the singles, "Take Off." Uh, it, one, it has some cool collaborations that uh, you know I, I wanted you to talk about, but also I feel like it's sort of a, a, a taking off point for some of these bigger ideas. Did is that is that the song that you started with uh, for the project? Uh, yeah, it took a long time though. I had, it took a while to finish it because there's so many collaborations. But um, yeah, that was one of the first songs. I think it may have been the no, it was the second song. Astronaut was the first song. Takeoff was the second okay. song. Um, and when I made Takeoff, I pictured like when you think of a runway, like if a if a plane is gonna get enough momentum to fly, it has to ha- get a lot of energy on the runway. And that's what you yeah. know when we made Takeoff, that was the whole idea was to make it high energy and kind of be like the the jumping point for everything. So. I want to make it just fire. So that's why I added Ty Brazo and I added uh, Cannon and I added KB because I was like, yo, you got to have all this energy and it has to, I want that, I want to feel epic in like a moment. Take off, get ready to go. Young most with the glow. I'm living color to my skin tone. Just an all white like the gold. Young Joseph with the cool. Dream big to the hate you. We don't do it to get famous. Now you're off, now I'm proud. Just trying to be faithful. Take off. 
I want to talk about one more song uh, because it has, it's another one that has uh, some interesting collaborations, uh, is uh, Level. Tell me how that one came together and how, um, you, you know, you, you talk to your fellow artists to kind of, you know, how, how you kind of pitch them on this particular song. Well, it's funny because Lil Bree, uh, I've been watching him in Nashville. He's a local Nashville artist and he's like doing really well. He's really like, when you think of Nashville and you think about the future of Nashville, he's the type of artist you want to think about. Um, and I've been watching this kid since he was in high school. I remember he was in high school and dropped a music video. I was like, yo, this is crazy for a 16-year-old dude. So he's developed and created some great music. And I was like, yo, I gotta get something with you. And the texture of his voice was exactly what I heard on that beat. My man Juice Banger sent me the track. And I was like, yo, I gotta get Bree on this. Like, I gotta get a little bro on this. So I sent it to him and he sent me back. I sent him one hook and then he sent me back the level hook. Like, the, that song was initially called Ready For Whatever. And he was like, it's cool. Let me, let me, can I, can I, you know, can I tweak it a little bit? You know, he heard the concept of the projects and all that. And then he went back, he came to the studio and just made this amazing hook. So that's, that was kind of like the start of the record. And then my man Byron, um, he's just, he's a dope artist. Like he sings, he raps, he plays like five instruments. So I had it in the, I had it in this uh, folder and I, I give access to like a lot of my homies and just say, yo, check this stuff out. Tell me what you think. And he was like, yo, man, I know I'm already on Astronaut, but this level record is really resonating with me. Can I throw something on it? I was like, cool. So I'm thinking he's gonna like do like a regular rap verse. And he kind of does this melodic in-between rap thing that I was like, oh yeah, this is, I love the contrast because the beat is so hard. Yeah. And then he has this melodic thing that he's doing over it that's like, whoa. Like it, 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 made, it made for a good record. Derek Miner, stay tuned. Up next, Robert Lee the Fourth. Crazy, captivating, weird song. I listen to it a lot. 
As his name suggests, Robert Wright Lee IV is a descendant of the Confederate Civil War general whose statue in Charlottesville was ground zero for recent protests led by white supremacists. He's also a college professor and a United Church of Christ pastor. Reverend Lee recently gained national attention when he took the stage at the MTV Video Music Awards last week to denounce racism and introduce the mother of Heather Heyer, the counter-protester killed by a white supremacist in Charlottesville. Uh, after we saw the segment, we were blown away and reached out to him uh, to come out on the show. Uh, what you're going to hear is part of that conversation. We were posting other segments as well on the website at rollermagazine.com. Go check it out. Here is part of our interview with Reverend Robert Wright Lee IV. I'd love to hear just a little bit of your story. I've read a lot of things that you've written and I like them a lot, but I'm curious uh, just about some of where, how your uh, identity and understanding of your own family's legacy has developed uh, from the time you were young up to now. So when you were growing up, what was your understanding of, of Robert E. Lee and, and uh, has that changed or how has that changed in the ensuing years? Well, it's kind of a weird story, right? I mean, like to go grow up under the shadow of a murky figure in history. He's right. certainly a murky history. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to condemn the man. I really don't. I have trouble doing that. Um, I, I think what he did was wrong. I think what he did was incredibly wrong. But um, he's also like that same blood line runs through me. And in some small ways, I wonder what I would have done had I been in his shoes. Um, you know, 200 years ago in the context and time of history. And I think that's something that we have to consider um, when talking about Robert E. Lee. And I think my parents were very good about that with me. Um, of course, I bear the name to a point of Robert Wright Lee IV. Um, I bear Robert Lee's name. And so to think about what that meant, um, my parents didn't name me after him. They named me after my dad, my grandparent, my grand- granddad, my great granddad. But that goes back even further, and we, there's more Robert Lee's, and there's you know that that. So they didn't. They, I don't think they were thinking about naming me after Robert Lee like per se, but they they certainly knew the context. And so growing up, I was always aware of that, but I was also always uh, told that you know this is a different time in history, and we have to consider it such. I, I had great parents who raised me to think that the the race shouldn't be an issue in talking to people. It should be as something to be celebrated. Um, I had a lady take care of me when I was um, really young, who was 60 years my senior and a person of color. And uh, her name was Jamie. And Jamie really, um, she wouldn't drink out of the same glasses as me because I was white. She um, she was very much in the era of Jim Crow still, even though we were in the you know 90s. And so uh, one of the things that happened there was I, I kind of realized that, oh my gosh, people view me differently um, than I view myself. Um, and that's what white privilege is, you know. It's 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 this it's this underlying current that we don't that I don't see as a white person, you know. Um, and so I, I needed to recognize that, and I recognized that from very early on. Um, I'm not saying I'm a hero in recognizing it. I just knew it was something that was in the vocabulary of people around me. Why do you think? Uh, and I know you don't want to toot your own horn, and I understand that. But why do you think that's something that you were able to recognize from a very young age that is still very, very difficult for a lot of people, for a lot of white people uh, as they get older, people who are who are adults who have been around it for a long time? What's the the hurdle there that's hard to cross? 
Well, you know, it's one of those things that I've grappled with for a long time. Like, why can't we just see it for what it is and name it? Because the second we name it, we're on the right track towards a different future. But I think for some, even the most unprivileged white person has privilege, you know? And so I think they, they, they're they blinded by it. We're all blinded by it. We're all, as white people, we are all blinded. We have blind spots. And some, some of those blind spots are a lot bigger than others. And so I, I just, I, I feel like we need to at least acknowledge that white privilege is in the room. And the second we do that, we get better. But as for why people do it, you know, I, I don't know. I've been, you know, I, as someone said, um, you know, I, I was complaining on face. I wasn't complaining, but I was saying, reporting back on Facebook, on my personal Facebook page that I had been, you know, the victim of some hate mail, some threats, stuff like that. And one of my friends commented to me, you know, as a white person, you now are a lightning rod because you're taking what other people might receive in that place. So I took as, as um, you know, an opportunity to speak up and speak out. And, you know, I've watched, I've seen some of the videos that had over, you know, a million views that I've done for in, the Upworthy video had over a million views. And that's, that's not something I never expected. But then again, it's, it's appropriate because if anyone who is white will listen to me, I want them to listen and then it's worth it in the end, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, and, I, and I debated doing the VMAs for a long time, to be quite honest with you. Uh, not as long as I'd like to because I didn't have that much time. But in, in the course of it, I debated what it meant to um, do this because I mean, they could have had a person of color on the stage. They could have had anybody else. Um, but then again, it gave me an opportunity to speak to a group of people that may not listen to others. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can use that privilege for good, like I said to the VMAs, um, it'll be a great, great thing. I want to ask you about the uh, about your take on the Confederate monuments or memorials, uh, depending on yeah. the vernacular. There, you obviously uh, have a more personal connection to them than even a lot of the people who are very adamant about them needing to stay where they are. Uh, what what's your uh, broadly speaking? What what's your opinion on statues of Robert E. Lee and other Confederate generals around the country? Well, I mean, it's hard, right? You don't you want to be proud of your family. You sure, know? you want to be proud they did. Uh, but then, then again, you consider the context of what it means and when those statues were put up. For instance, I've been in a conversation lately with Duke University because I'm an alumnus of Duke. And um, Duke took down, I don't know if you heard, but Duke University took down the statue from their chapel. Yeah. I remember walking by that statue when I was in school there just, just for two years, from 20, you know, 13, 15 to 2017, and feeling awfully awkward. Because those statues were erected, you know, 1920s, 1930s as a symbol of white supremacy, not as a symbol of heroism or of courage or of dignity. And I think that's what we have to contextualize about these statues. They weren't there to celebrate a person. They were there to celebrate white supremacy and create an idol to it. And I think that's a dangerous, dangerous thing that we're doing. So to play devil's advocate, somebody comes to you and says, well, whatever they, whatever the intention might've been behind them, uh, that's not why I want to leave them up. I want to leave them up to celebrate my heritage or the the heritage of, of my family or Robert E. Lee was a, you know, just whatever noble characteristics he, he had. We want to celebrate those in our country. What would you say to those arguments? 
well, you know, I'm teaching right now at Appalachian State a course called Religion in the Imaginary Worlds, and we're talking about the conception of history as imagination. And I'd say their imagination is a little bit skewed about history. Um, we all have perceptions of history, but in reality, if you read about Robert E. Lee, if you've done any work studying Robert E. Lee, he was not kind to his slaves. Um, and if slavery can't be kind inherently. Um, it is. It is. It is a trait of slavery. Is that you? It is an unkind institution. Um, uh, and so I think that it is one of those things that we have to consider and to um, think about. But if your heritage is really filled with violence and with bigotry and with white supremacy, is that something you really want to celebrate? Yeah. If even if the intentions were pure in that. I still don't think that's something you could celebrate. Mm-hmm. Heritage cannot be filled with hate. Speaking to you as a as a pastor, what do you think, generally speaking, broadly speaking, how do you feel like the American church's response to what you call the American's original sin of racism has been? It's been abysmal. Um, it has been awful. It has been almost, I would say, heretical. Um the God I have come to know in Jesus Christ is so far from white supremacy and so far from racism that for the church in a sense especially the evangelical church and the mainline Protestant church is guilty of it as well but especially the evangelical church to be ready to get in bed with people like Donald Trump to be ready to get in bed with people um, who are espousing these views is dangerous to the future of the church and to what we're saying as a people and it's sad to me to hear that the loudest voices are those that are the most racist and the most white supremacist minded Um, the church is not responding well and it's obvious in our pews because, you know, uh, the, the churches that I'm a part of and have been a part of all my life, I could count on one hand how many persons of color attend our church, you know? And that's it's the most segregated hour to borrow from, from, from history, you know? It's sad. It's, 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 it's just, it's, it's just I, I don't even have words for it. It makes me sick. So what would you say to the the small still but growing uh, community of, of white mainline Protestants, white evangelicals who are coming around to the idea that, yes, white privilege is real. And yes, we have not reckoned adequately with racism in this country. And they want to they, they want to get involved. They want to make amends, but they just don't really know what that next step should look like or what it means for them now that they're aware of this. You know, I think the first steps to anything, as we said, is admittance. Yeah. And then we go from there. We look into ourselves and see what privilege and power we have, and we use it. I mean, no, you know, you may not have as big of an audience as the VMAs, but you have an audience. You have a church community. You have someone listening. You have someone with different views than you. And so how can you speak up and speak out in God's name? I mean, that's the point of this, right, is by, by vocation of our baptisms, um, we are called be people who speak up and speak out against oppression, against evil, and whatever forms they present themselves. That's the United Methodist liturgy right there. And I think about that a lot. I'm like, gosh, you know, that's, that's what has to happen. And that's what we have to stand for.
That was Robert Wright Lee IV. Stay tuned. Up next, our new issue preview. to Ballad of the Dying Man by Father John Misty. A uh, little foreshadowing. Well, we won't take up too much time. This has been a packed show already, but uh, every couple months, it's big news for us here at Relevant. The new issue of Relevant has come out. Now, what we want to do is is give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at kind of what went into the issue. Uh, you obviously can go check it out for yourself online. You can pick it up in newsstands, and obviously subscribers probably even already have it. So we don't want to just recap the issue. We want to tell you a little bit more uh, behind the heart and thought that went into it. So joining us for this segment, uh, Jesse is here. Hey, Jesse. Hey, guys. Uh, And joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, guys. Tyler used to be the managing editor of the magazine. And as we've been in kind of a team or staff transition over the summer, he has stepped back in and has been very involved in the website and magazine stuff. And uh, this was, I think, the first issue you've been part of in, in, uh, in a while, huh? I I would do some, uh, I would show up here and there for a little bit of help, but this was the one that first one that I was really on board in, uh, uh, what I would call probably a vital capacity (laughs) or a uh, (laughs) mission critical. Yeah. You could say, uh, MVP. Yeah. And I, and I think it should, I think it shows. Yeah. Well, this was a, uh, a fun <laughs> issue for us to put together um, for, a, for a number of reasons. Um, you'll, we'll give you kind of a scope of what we covered uh, in, in a second. But the cover story was, I would say, in the 17 years we've been doing, well, we've been doing print since 2003. So in the 14 years we've been doing the magazine, um, it was probably the most unique way that a cover story has come together. Our cover subject is Father John Misty. Uh, if you don't know him, he is—he uh, was part of Fleet Foxes for a number of years. He's been a solo artist for since 2000, and uh, and as Father John Misty since 2012. He's done three albums. His uh, most recent is Pure Comedy, and it came out this year, and it has a ton of. Uh, compelling and some would say biting of religious commentary. Here's, here's a a clip of his uh, single pure comedy. Comedy. Now that's what I call pure comedy. Just wait until the part where they start to believe they're at the center of everything. Well, uh, when, when the album came out, I heard an interview that he did uh, with Zane Lowe on Apple Music, and he talked a lot about growing up in the church. Now, if you've listened to his music, it's usually very dripping with kind of wrestling with faith in the church or, or, or being critical of it. And so, you know, he came from a place of, of, uh, of a, a church background, but I didn't know the full story. And when he was talking to Zane Lowe, it was like, holy cow, this guy grew up like 
in the bubble. I mean, like, you know, Christian yeah. school, went to Christian mm-hmm. university. Um, the whole thing couldn't listen to secular music. I mean, everything, you know, was involved in youth group, was a youth leader. Um, everything you probably, a lot of our listeners have experienced as well. And then in college, he dropped out and he walked away from it. And, um, and he's been wrestling with that thing of figuring out his beliefs uh, outside of the context of that bubble uh, ever, kind of ever since then. Um, there's more to the story, a lot more to it. But, you know, we reached out uh, wanting to do an interview with him and his label said, no, thank you. And that's not completely unusual. I mean, that happens from time to time. Um, and we're like, oh, well, it would have been a great human interest story, you know, uh, and we yeah. moved on. And then all of a sudden, one day, Aaron Hanbury, who's on our editorial team, who used to work here in, in the office with us, pops in my uh, office <laughs> around four o'clock and he said, have you seen, have you seen what father John Misty has been tweeting about us today? And I was like, no, I've like been in meetings. I've been on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but then when I was laying in bed that night, I'm like, oh yeah, I was wanting to check out what father John Misty was. On. And so I pulled up his feed. This is like one in the morning and I'm laying in bed reading his Twitter feed and it is the most bizarre, like string of tweets about how he found his new favorite magazine relevant. And then it just kind of went from there into this, like it wasn't really mocking us as much as it was like lampooning something. And then it got more and more bizarre and it was just like, I don't get it. Like if he's trying to like take us down, like this isn't actually the most effective uh, way to do that. It was just really strange. And we're fans of his music and think highly of him as an artist. And so I just thought it was really strange. I found, I got to the bottom of it. Apparently that day, Tyler had posted a uh, post on our website, uh, like debuting father John Misty's new music video. Tyler, you want to tell us what you said and your thoughts about that video? And what <laughs> proudly, proudly. I want to tell you about it without without an ounce of regret <laughs> no we he released a new music video that was as father john misty's videos tend to be uh, and his music tends to be uh sort of biting biting and satirical and in this case sort of a, a takedown of capitalism and uh and the video is very explicit about that real quick for, for j- just for context real quick before you get into your analysis it featured macaulay culkin as kurt cobain being crucified uh, on a cross, and one of the Roman soldiers was Father John Missy, dressed as Ronald McDonald. So, <laughs> so, 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 when people say so, so when you say it was, it was a, it was a biting commentary about capitalism. That is accurate, but I feel like people need to know the commentary for your analysis. But please continue. It wasn't. I wouldn't call it like the most subtle commentary i've ever seen on capitalism and i and i want to make it clear here for father john misty who may well be listening i don't disagree with his assessment i I think it's i think it's true i pointed out in my analysis that that there were some complications to any critique of capitalism particularly when your video features an ad to go buy your new album uh things just get a little bit messy when it comes to critiquing capitalism from within the capitalist system i if if he takes issue with that, I would love to sit down with Father John Misty. And in fact, that's sort of what ended up happening. Yeah. So so he uh, you know got the you know the Twitter alert that we had tagged him in this post, and he clicked on it and didn't take too kindly to Tyler's pithy little comment, and then decided to go at us all day after that. Uh, he fo- you know had you know a couple million Twitter followers. He followed one account. And I clicked on it, curious, that's odd. I clicked on it, he followed relevant. And so, you know, that was even how deep his satire goes, you know. And so, um, so I, I, it dawned on me that, oh, this is one fifteen, one thirty in the morning. 
he follows us, I can message him. And so as relevant, I sent him a message and I was just like, Hey man, you know, just wanted you to know that like we get it. We're in on the joke, you know, like your Christian media, you know, you have fun with that at our expense. That's fine. I just want you to know that we're, we love the new album. We think the, what you're saying in your music is important and that you, especially Christians should engage this dialogue and um, just wanted to know we're fans. That was it. It was just kind of a, I knew one of two things would happen. Either he would screenshot that direct message and then tweet it the next day and try to make fun of us or, or he would reply, you know? And so the next morning I get up and I was like, Oh yeah, I wonder what, what happened. And it said, you can no longer message this account. So he unfollowed us <laughs> overnight. And then around two o'clock that day, uh, he refollowed us and sent a reply. And he said, well, it's, you know, quite a different tone than your, uh, than your coverage, you know, and, and he and I started, I introduced myself and he and I started going back and forth over the course of the next week or so. And I just, you know, it was letting him know, like we know, I mean, we loved, I love you, honey bear and his, his music. And, but you know, again, I, I, think it's important that we engage critical dialogue. Um, and, and, and in some respects, that's kind of what relevant is doing as well. We're not critical. We're trying to, but we are trying to enact change, um, in our own way. And so anyway, I thought we had a lot in common. We ended up talking, I mentioned, I had heard the interview about his background and we had a lot more in common than, than, uh, we probably would have thought. Yeah. And so I said, uh, you know, we would, you know, we wanted to interview you for the, for the magazine, but, uh, someone said, no, he goes, I'll do an interview. And, uh, and sure enough, a few weeks later, I'm in his living room in LA and I don't really do stories for the magazine. I don't do interviews for the magazine, but because we had had this dialogue, I thought it'd be good. And we have a lot of commonality in our personal backgrounds. I thought it'd be an interesting opportunity. And so I flew out there and, and, uh, did this interview and I'll tell you, we, talked for four hours. I went to the studio with him afterwards, uh, heard him recording his next album. It was one of the most, uh, stunning, transparent conversations. I mean, he was ready to get into it. There was no like chit chat, yeah. get to know you stuff. He was like, let's go, you know? And, uh, and, uh, you know, you can tell from the piece that ended up coming out of it that Tyler and Jesse both heavily crafted. Um, it, it was probably one of the most honest dialogues about growing up in the church and wrestling with that and looking for kind of a grown up faith. He said, I am a Christian. Now he has a very non-traditional kind of lifestyle for somebody who would make that claim. But it is interesting to talk to somebody who, who comes from, I would say the bubble and they go outside of the bubble and are still earnestly looking for that sincere relationship with Christ. And it's just, it was a really honest dialogue and a fascinating story, even if you're not a fan of his music. I think that this is, uh, I've worked on a lot of stories for relevant and, and I'm, I'm proud of, of everything that, that we've worked on that relevance put out, but it's really rare to hit that just perfect bullseye of, of every single strain that, that relevant wants to cover that, that is, falls within our purview to be in the exact same story and for it to be a cover story and for the person for father john misty to be so open and honest about it uh cameron i thought you did a you had a really fantastic interview with him and, and i think you i appreciate how open he was and, and just your crafting of it was great uh this was uh this was a real home run i think for the magazine i i loved reading it again as soon as my issue came in the mail the, the level of access he gave us goes to this this degree the cover photo shoot his uh uh father john misty's real name is josh tillman um josh's wife 
is a photographer. She did the photo shoot for us uh, in and around their home. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it was a very, uh, the access, it, it was really unprecedented for us. And, and just the funny story of how it all even came together. I, I wrote my column about it because the backstory to a, you know, cover story, we have a lot of artists who say thoughtful things on our cover, but we've never had one come or come together this way. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And just like you, like you were saying, Cameron, the de- the degree and thoughtfulness which that he wanted to engage the topic of faith and what it means to be a Christian was fascinating and completely unguarded, which you know tr- really translates in the piece. Speaking of unguarded, another piece that was stunning, I thought, in the issue was uh, Terry Crews. You know him from Brooklyn Nine Nine. You know him from the Old Spice commercials. You know him from movies. Uh, he's he's almost he, yeah. He's he's almost a uh, a human action figure. You know uh, Terry Crews. He's a, he's a comedic actor. Um, he's also a Christian and uh, we have him in the issue and he opens up about almost losing it all, losing his marriage, losing everything because of a secret life he had struggling with uh, pornography in particular and uh, was kind of living this outward Christian life on one side and uh, was living a double life on another. And he you know, is on the other side of that struggle in many ways and was like shockingly open and transparent about that journey of what he went through. The piece with Terry Crews is not to be missed. That's another one where it's just like, it's just rare when you talk to to some people, it's, it sometimes can be difficult or at least sort of a a challenge to find that, that level of openness and to build that level of trust. Understandably with these people, they're talking to an interviewer they don't necessarily know. Uh, But Terry Crews was so willing to to talk about something that's very, very vulnerable and extremely difficult to talk about. And uh, I, I hope that his story is really encouraging for a lot of people. Yep. The, the other thing too is like, I feel like most people know his personality as like this high energy, funny, super charismatic guy. But like that, that's not, I'm not to say that like that's an act, but the Terry Crews you get in the piece is the real dude, the real dude. Yeah. Like yeah. it's b- behind the characters and it's, it's, it's a really, his, his ability too to be completely transparent is super powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of variety in the issue. Aaron Lochner, who's uh, an HGTV personality, uh, talks to us about uh, slowing down. Uh, she, she walked away from quite a, you know, a kind of a fast-paced career to intentionally kind of live her life's message out. And it was, uh, it's a great piece. We have a 2017 uh, fall TV preview. There's some amazing stuff coming out this fall. Yeah, and not only that, like this year, I, I feel like almost more than any other year in memory, TV is providing us with like this mirror to culture that we try to dig into. So instead of like years past, we've done like kind of like a breakdown of new shows, which is validity to, but we tried to kind of take an interesting turn on it this, this time around. So not only telling people about the new shows that we're excited about, but also, um, you know, sort of what they reflect in pop culture. So one of these things you've seen uh, shows that are in the works that are about like millennials trying to hustle and do cool, you know, and things out on their own. Zach Braff is adapting the startup podcast into a show called Alex Inc. Um, you also see all these supernatural shows like Josh Ritter is, is starring in a, a show about a guy who um, believes he is called by God to enact change. You have um, a year of living biblically is being uh, created and, you know, transformed into a CBS sitcom. 
it really shows like um, you know culture's desire to enact change through faith and, and so we try to find all these threads and I, I feel like doing an analysis of what's coming up on the TV uh, lineup really provided some interesting insight uh, for us to kind of learn about some you know cultural felt needs here's a clip of uh, the gospel of Kevin I am a messenger from God sent here to Kevin uh, who are you? In every generation, there's 36 people that stand for all the righteous souls in the world. You are one of those souls. Yeah, no, uh, that sounds great. I, I love it. Who are you talking to? She can't see me. You don't see anybody else in this kitchen right now? There you go. Uh, another, uh, I was I was on, uh, people are getting the, the magazine this week. Subscribers are getting the magazine. And last night I was tagged in an Insta story by the Jason Kennedy from E! News. He's a friend. Mm. He got the magazine <laughs> and, and he tagged me because he was flipping through the new issue and he saw Laney and he freaked out and he loves Laney. They're buddies. Oh, oh, cool. And, uh, and Laney's in the new issue. Uh, after four EPs, their debut LP is finally here. <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious, Laney. It took a while. Dude, those guys laid the groundwork, man. <laughs> We're huge fans. Laney's yeah. debut album is out. We talked to him about it. Uh, here's a clip of, of Laney. Waking up to nothing when you're super far from home And I watch you fall asleep at night and lay there on my own Got me begging for affection, all you do is roll your eyes Broken down, I've had enough uh, on the music side, we also have uh, Andy Minio. He has a new mixtape. As you know, here on the podcast a few weeks ago, we had Words Played on, on the show. Uh, Andy Minio and Words Played have a new mixtape out called Larry uh, a Magic and Bird. And uh, here, here's a clip of it. Starting, but don't try and play. Then I went go suck up sways. Two-tone in the Patagon, that's beach and Navy. Hassle hall from the slow mode, I set you wavy. And I risk, risk, risk. I know there's opposition, but it's switch, switch, switch. I know you seen them do it, but not like this. Money make you war it, break you. Take the game before it takes you low. It's cool to hear Andy uh, having fun again. You know, it's like yeah. uh, the piece he really opens up about while he was trying to make this new album he was just putting so much pressure on himself to have hits and stuff it was almost like creatively locking him up he was struggling with depression during that that period i mean he really opened up in the piece about it and and then somebody gave him the advice like, and just have some fun make some music for the kids and uh and this is the album that came out of it it was pretty cool uh, I enjoyed uh, working on, uh, enjoyed it, and was and was uh, moved a lot by working on the piece that is in the issue on sanctuary, the sanctuary church movement. There's been an explosion of uh, of sanctuary churches, churches that are offering little sanctuary to undocumented persons living in the United States, and talking to some of the pastors who uh, have made the decision along with their congregations to house immigrants in their churches and give them a little bit of shelter uh, while the while the federal government tries to figure out. Uh, what's going on. The best way to, to deal with immigrants in this country was something that challenged a lot of my beliefs about undocumented persons living in the country. And uh, and it's fun when a, you go into a piece to start researching something with an idea of how it's going to turn out. And it ends up turning out very, very differently the more you learn about it. And I, I really like the piece and how it ended up coming together. 
and the issue also, uh, quickly, uh, Greg Boyd, uh, we talked to him about the God of the Old Testament and that, how is this violent God, you know, the same one that we see in the New Testament, Greg Boyd talks to us. We talk about the waiting game, how, how so many of us, uh, you know, it almost seems like God is withholding your dreams and it, you know, it may not be that God's withholding. It might just be a matter of timing. Um, and then the, I think probably the most important piece in the entire issue was uh, Tyler's The Definitive Guide to Christian Mingling. <laughs> Wait, I, w- I want Jesse, I want to make sure that I don't take full credit for it as much as I'd like to, because Jesse <laughs> Carey was a real, he, I relied on his romantic wisdom a lot for this one. <laughs> <laughs> we got Tyler, uh, we use uh, an inner office communication tool uh, and people, and Tyler sent me a message on it. It was a screenshot of a, tw- of a tweet someone sent because people, like Cameron said, people are getting the new issue and it was a screenshot of someone had taken a picture of the page of the magazine and said I laughed out I, I LOL'd at this and it was one of Tyler's jokes that he encountered out in the wilds of Twitter and that's how I knew we yeah. did our job with this one well, you know, the <laughs> for, for our definitive guide to Christian mingling uh, which contains uh, basically a culmination of the worst types of Christian dating advice you've ever heard packaged in a way that only we can and I'm extremely proud of it yeah it, it, it was very helpful it was an eye opening. It was moving. I, I cried. I laughed. It was, I have it pinned up on my wall. I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's the highlight. I think it's of the one issue. of those situations where a bunch of negatives end up making a positive. Like it's all bad advice, but if you implement it all, it's going to make, it's going to make your romantic life a lot smoother. Wait, wait, wait. It's bad advice. Oh man. Well, individually it's bad advice, okay. but taken again, you like taken as picture. a whole. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there's a lot more in the issue. Uh, those are just some of the, the, highlights. Go check it out. The cool thing about this issue, the September issue, it is in literally every Barnes and Noble. We're normally in about two thirds of Barnes and Nobles. Uh, They took us in chain wide front row of the magazine section. Go check it out. You'll see Father John Misty's staring at you as you walk up. Support at newsstands actually helps us out quite a bit. The more we sell through, the the more stores bring us in. If you aren't near a Barnes and Noble or other newsstand that uh, carries us, you can view the whole issue online, though you want to hold it in your hands. Come on. You know, I mean, it's nice paper, but you can view it online at rollmagazine.com as well. And we're running a promo right now. If you subscribe today, uh, there's a special uh, price that you can uh, take advantage of. So guys, great job on this issue and the whole team behind you. Uh, really, it was a lot of fun yeah. and the variety and the substance and the levity. It was just, it's, it was a, a blast. Jesse, every, every issue that Jesse's been part of this year, he said to me like, dude, this is our best one yet. That's always the goal, right? <laughs> Your next one is your best one. I don't know how you're going to top yeah, this one. Yeah, you try to. Yeah, you try to. But I do feel like this. There's even. I mean, there's so many touches of detail that I think will translate to the readers. I mean, we have a board game. <laughs> we have a. Uh, you can open the magazine and play a board game in front matter. Like, there's a lot of little fun details. I think people are really going to dig in this one. So we're really proud of it. And like Cameron said, the whole team. Like, you know, for d- d- design to editorial, the, the the whole team. We put a lot of work into it, and we hope people hope people dig it. There you go. Check it out. Real magazine.com the september issue featuring father john misty is out now stay tuned up next your feedback Listening to Cardinox, 
The song is The District Sleeps Alone Tonight. It's a song that I play every night in my house. That almighty camera. It's time for your feedback. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so last week we were talking about (laughs) seasonal foods. Shauna was on, so of course we got talking about seasonal foods. We love Shauna. She's the best. Kind of bums me out that I couldn't be on with her. That was your choice. You had the flu. I know. Pop-Up got sick, and I understand that, but still, I would like to have Sean. <laughs> we would have liked on. to have you on as well, but, you know, the flu yeah. had other plans. Because of the rest of us, we can do without each other for a week. <laughs> We're fine. But Shauna, <laughs> I mean, come on. It's a special yeah, how much Yeah, on. she's my soul series. Yeah. So uh, we got to talk about food, and, and Jesse's and, and Shauna, basically, uh, we're talking a lot about the fact that, like, why does there have to be seasonal food? Why is it pumpkin only in the fall? That's right. Why is it candy canes only at Christmas? Right. Why is the Cadbury cream eggs only in, at Easter? Why can't we just have all of it available all year long? So our yeah. question of the week last week was, what seasonal foods do you have strong feelings about? Yes. And why? You guys hit us up on Twitter at Roland Podcast. You posted also on the podcast episode page at RolandMagazine.com. Here are a few of our favorites. Uh, Eddie, I feel like you should read that marshmallow one because I feel like you're a man that has strong opinions about marshmallows. We have <laughs> talked about that before. But, but in the meantime... Oh, that they're the worst? Do you really? You don't like marshmallows? No. I hate marshmallows. Thank you. Prop, don't you also hate creamy stuff? I hate like white creamy substances in general. Interesting. Yeah. So mayonnaise... Mayonnaise, butter, sour cream, cream cheese, yeah. all of it. Wow, all you're, of it. you're really that's that a pretty. That's a pretty. Like they don't taste. Food. They don't taste anything alike. He just hates it all because it's white and creamy. Mm. It's just the consistency that I have lactose issues too, though. So that's part of where that started. But then after a while, I was like, "This is actually disgusting." Well, I Man, disagree. Okay, I, I got a. I got an important question. How do you, you feel about the inside of Oreos slash Ho Hos? Gross. Wow. Interesting. Propaganda. I, I I'm shocked right now. I'll eat the Oreo cookie, but I'm going to scrape off the cream. You are an no. animal. You are, oh. I can't even know you right now. Uh, that I, was one too far. Propaganda. Well, the cookie <laughs> is the worst part of the Oreo. Yeah, that's the it part is, you got. It really is. It's the part you got to deal with to get to the like the real thing. Yeah, they they keep inventing Oreos to get more stuffing in them. It's kind of like, like our thing. podcast. You have to deal with the first hour to get right. to the good content that's in right. the middle, right? And then you got to deal with this part now. Essentially, and prop. you know what? And you know what? You know what? I sometimes I skip the interviews when I listen to the podcast. I want to hear you guys crack jokes. <laughs> so he essentially Donald ducks the whole show. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Think about it. It's a thinker. You'll get it. I don't want to explain it. You'll get there. We might have a female co-host someday and I'll have a lot to explain. All right, Jesse, what's what you were talking about? Okay. Okay. So Matthew says that he is all about some eggnog so much so that he posts a a caption. He takes a picture, posts a caption of his first eggnog of the year and also uh, includes with it the lyrics to a different love song every year, which is dedicated (laughs) to his love of eggnog. Oh, that's funny. At the end of the year, he then posts the tally of how many liters of eggnog he drank liters. Year. Oh, wow. last year. Liters. Last year. <laughs> last year, Michael drank 16 liters I, of I eggnog during right the holiday now. season. I Props to that dude. I haven't drank 16 liters of eggnog in my entire life combined. Yeah. I, I had never had eggnog until this past Christmas season. I and I finally tasted it. And uh, because the it's idea delicious. of an egg beverage just sounded yeah. gross, kind yeah. of the same reason why I've never had cheesecake. Yeah. And and uh, and I tasted it. I gotta tell you, a little bit delicious. Hmm. I it's fantastic. Oh, it tastes like flavored phlegm. Um, 
Jean Douglas, which I believe he pronounces John Douglas, but I believe should pronounce it Jean Douglas. Jean Douglas Graves <laughs> says, I have a complex relationship with marshmallows, which just that is enough to let you know Jean Douglas is a friend. Uh, by this, I mean that there are two seasonal items with marshmallows that I really don't like much and two others that I love. I dislike peeps and s'mores. Fascinating. But I love marshmallows and hot cocoa and enjoy them in sweet potatoes. I can hear that. Yeah. Now, I'm well aware. Uh, that, we have to stop there. What about Lucky Charms? We uh, have to stop there. Jean Douglas doesn't talk about it. I'm stopping. Prop, tell us. Because there's a serious, a very serious cultural uh, moment that needs to be pointed out right here. It is absolute okay. blasphemy to put marshmallows on sweet potatoes and I, yams. I agree. Really? We don't, yeah, we don't no, do that. I, I think I think otherwise they're uneditable. It's, if you don't load them with so much cinnamon and marshmallow that I barely taste, the, I'll say the, this: the potato. I was raised in a very southern family. I mean, my grandmother we call her Big Mama. She she yes. she okay. I'll tell you, only she she cooks sweet potatoes regularly, and like the, the normal sweet potatoes, no marshmallows. But when it came around, like specifically Thanksgiving, it was a special yeah. meal. We throw it on top. You know, you do not. Yeah. Put marshmallows yeah. on the yams. Um, well. You do not do that. Let, let me tell you. Let me give me all my relevant listeners. If you, at some point, it's someone in your family dates or marries someone black. Okay, leave the marshmallows at home. <laughs> do not. You want you want your future mother in law to hate you. Put the marshmallows on there. You want all they siblings to snickle and giggle every time you walk in the room. You you want that. You want the bowl that you brought to stay untouched. What? Then go ahead and put the marshmallows <laughs> on the top of that. That's crazy. Can I ask you a question though, Prop? Can I just? Yes, you can ask me a question. But, but I mean, okay, no one will know. Right? Have you tried it with the marshmallows? It's and delicious. Here's the thing. Well, he didn't like crazy. I have because everyone. Listen, I grew up phenomenally multicultural and we used to do like around the world thanksgivings we it would be like four and five different families and four and five different houses and i would get the look by one of my parents to be like you better eat that if it's on your plate you have to eat it and i forced myself to eat it because these nice people invited us in their house and invited us to dinner so i had to eat it and we all left the house going God, that stuff was disgusting. But I think you're but different because you don't it. like white creamy stuff and the melted marshmallows makes it creamy. I wish you yeah. need to go back to this Derek Minor interview and ask him, <laughs> does he put marshmallows on his... <laughs> Anyhow, Jean Douglas, I, I agree with you. I will say uh, there is, and I am not sponsored by these people, but if you guys had, uh, I typically like really dislike marshmallows. Like yeah. the Jet Puff marshmallows, yeah. the, to me, they're Good just, for you. they're no, no. a terrible food. Yeah. But there is like a boutique-y fancy marshmallow place in town, uh, Wondermade. Wondermade, yeah. They're crazy. Yeah, they're going to sponsor the new studio. We're, now, we're just going to be pounding it, Wonder Made marshmallows the entire time spot. we record. I would like Wonder Made to sponsor <laughs> yeah. the Eddie Koffeltz Memorial sure. Desk. Yeah, yeah, I like it. it. So We'll just have a little box of Wonder Maids there always for you. Try Wonder Made, Jean Douglas. It'll change your life. Well, right. well, Eric Odom, real quick, he has an interesting theory just about seasonal food in general that he's distilling into his, thing, his take on the McRib. He doesn't know if it's seasonal, but they only release it, uh, you know... Uh, 
every like like once a year. You can only get the, the McRib a couple times a year. And he says he is he he's aware that there's no reason for him to like a McRib, but the scarcity makes him look forward to its arrival. That's I think that's argument. the thing with all seasonal foods. It's a good is that, is that this, it's a scarcity thing. People don't love them. They just eat them. That's why we're not. This is not a, an agrarian society. Like we can get pumpkin. You can get a pumpkin thing whenever you want. Okay. Like we're not dependent on the seasons anymore. We've we've hacked that. There's no reason to have the construct. It is. It's it, you're being tricked by scarcity to like these things. And Eric nailed it with the McRib. There you go. That's true. Because like if Great if point. candy canes were always on the candy aisle, you would never buy one. Right. Which, but when they pop exactly. out for Christmas, you're like, oh, I need to get a bag of candy canes. Which nobody's even thinking of the fact that those like the mints, the little starlight mints or whatever, yeah. are just round, beach ball ones, are little yeah. round candy canes, and nobody has a problem with that. Right. Yeah. Pinwheels. Right. No big deal. Yeah. It's just a little yeah. round candy cane, but it's not reminding us of like Christmas and grandma. It's just. You know, something to freshen my breath before I go into the big meeting. <laughs> yes. I also appreciate Shauna's passion of all the things that she really, yeah. really lights up about. And she is a passionate, involved person. But it is pretty intense when she starts talking about this, when she starts talking about the Fall. pumpkin spice latte oh. stuff. I mean, it's really it like, blew people's minds. Yeah. I saw people put, put, like tweeting timestamps like when their worlds crumbled. Yeah. At 45 minutes in, Shauna made their world crumble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and correct me if I use this uh, phrase incorrectly, but she's fairly woke to the whole pumpkin spice issue. <laughs> Is that the way to I don't even I know think. what you're talking about? I mean, that's very inappropriate, actually. <laughs> it's but, a thing, uh, dude. Like, that's a whole culture. The PSL is a culture, bro. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's hey, a uh, lifestyle. All right. Well, that'll do it for last week's feedback. There's a lot more. Go check it out. Uh, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Well, earlier in the show, we were talking about the uh, you know own your fire oh, campaign. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. it's a perfect campaign. The, the the perfect campaign for you to set up eighteen use different eighteen different Gmail accounts, eighteen mm. different yes. LinkedIn profiles, get eighteen whoppers. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, it just got us thinking about being fired. I've been fired. I think we've probably all been fired at some point. No? I came close, but I, I pulled the ripcord, I would say, probably five minutes before I got fired. Like you quit? <laughs> yeah. Quit? yeah, it's not me, it's you. No, I broke up with quitting. you. No, yeah. I broke up with <laughs> you, technically. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, So we want to know your best uh, firing story. Uh, you, Why'd you get fired? Did you deserve it? And uh, Or not your best firing yeah. story, or maybe the more unusual firing st- yeah. stories, yeah. the was circumstances. It, yeah, was it like your brother yeah. that fired you? Were you able to get another podcasting job? Did you get a whopper? <laughs> oh, it's a weird, whatever. Just tell us the your thing. story. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter at Relum Podcast, or you can post your longer stories on the comments section on the uh, podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. This will be a good one. A little behind the scenes of the relationship with Chandler. Like when I see him before the show and I know something's coming. Yeah. Like, cause I knew the Whopper thing. Like when I wa- he walked by this morning, I'm like, what, what's up, man? Like, I just know, like, it's like, oh, I can't look at this man in the eyes. I'm about to discredit him fairly publicly for two hours. Yeah. Well, it's the same as our relationship, me and Chandler. It's the same thing. I don't know. I don't know a slice coming. I just know that I'm going to do that. Yeah. You guys don't even put marshmallows on your stuff. You just put, like, preemptive pants ripping. Yeah. That's right. All right. So tell us your your craziest firing stories, and did you deserve it? Yeah. And are you still hurt? Did you fill up on Whoppers? Nobody cares about your family right now just tell us how you got fired yeah. i, I just want to laugh at you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. don't make don't make it real or we can't make fun of you <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah many thanks to our sponsors <laughs> for making this episode possible remember you can go over to casper.com slash relevant and use promo code relevant get to get 50 dollars off 
any mattress purchase. Go do it. You'll like it. Also, uh, Squarespace. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Hey, thanks to our guests for joining us. Remember, uh, Pastor Chris C., go to ecclesiahouston.org. Get involved. Please do what you can. Get your church involved. Rally something. I got, I got to tell you something. I posted uh, a, about donating uh, aid. I mm-hmm. got a text from a guy, a friend um, in California. He said we were in a meeting. Or he works at a church. He said we were in a meeting about what we could do. I had seen the post you were talking about, this organization doing great work in disaster relief mm-hmm. in Houston. And we uh, donated $50,000 to them. That's killer. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Guys, let's wow. band together. Yeah. Let's get behind uh, Chris's That's efforts and the churches in the, in the area. Um, World Vision uh, does yeah. amazing stuff. Uh, Convoy of Hope does amazing stuff. Yeah. And obviously, you heard Chris's story and yeah. what they're doing through the, the local Cross. church. I know that's the Red right. Cross as well. Like, but we'll continue from our personal accounts and from everything to the latest stuff we hear the latest stuff you hear just keep sharing it because things are kind of the needs are moving fast absolutely Uh, also thanks to Derek Miner remember his new album Your Soul Must Fly comes out today Uh, and thanks to Robert Robert Lee for joining us pretty Um, cool unsurprisingly he doesn't have a Twitter account so I can't tell you where to follow him but he's he's pretty he's he's like you know what I'm gonna dip out of this he got into it with a mosquito on Twitter it was it was a whole thing it was a whole Hey, uh, the new issue of Relevant is out now. Go check it out. It is in every Barnes & Noble, front and center, nationwide. Uh, go go check it out. I think you'll love the, the cover story. I think you'll love a lot. There's, it's a packed issue. Uh, we love the support, but I think you'll like the issue as well. And if you want to subscribe, you can subscribe now at RelevantMagazine.com and get a great, great deal that we're running. And on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm the last time in this building, man. This is too emotional. The last time in this... Oh. This is a moment. It's a real I'm looking thing. at you deeply. I to gotta, be clear, we're all going to be back for the exact same show. For you, no, for the, you, the nothing listener, changes. Nothing for the changes listener. for us yeah. and for well, and propaganda doesn't care either. But for the rest I of care. us who have souls, this is a, this is a very sad. Oh end of an God. era. Here we go. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Donald Duck. I'm, <laughs> I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> I'm propaganda. We'll see you next week. for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe Searching for ticks on my big old bloodhound doggy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.